boom shakalaka. We are lively, Underwood. I love having drummers on because you guys all air drum. You can't not. And it's that classic. It's so easy to play. It's the best. Thank you for doing this so much, Lee. Yeah. For people that have no idea who you are, which I'm going to be surprised, most people that actually watch this uh, will probably know who you are. But for those that don't, give them, give them the bullet points. Give them the headlines. Let's see here. Uh, I have been playing with the premier Minneapolis Foo Fighters tribute band, the Fool Fighters, uh, for the last eight years. Um, I am also in a country band called the Roger Allen Band. That's had been a moneymaker gig until COVID. Is that originals? No, uh, some originals, and there are we're actually starting to gear more towards doing original stuff. Um, but it's a lot of covers, a lot of the a lot of the bro country covers that are both terrible and really fun to play at the same time. Here, pull that <laughs> a little closer to you. There you go. Yes. And uh, what what is bro country covers? What does that mean? You know, like Jason Aldean. I don't and... listen to any country, so what is it? <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Come on. Think about like your typical like jockey high school dude and the sort of songs that he would listen to. Like, I don't know, man. Talking about girls and drinking beer and trucks and... and tight jeans. <laughs> Yeah, which is fun. so that you song. Know, so is Bro Country that song that's like, and the jeans just fit just right. And yeah. Turn the radio up, <laughs> and I can take it all night. Yeah, but more douchey. Oh, think okay. more douchey. Okay. Yeah. So like Luke Bryan. Yes. <laughs> okay. Several Luke Bryan songs on the set list for the night. <laughs> it's fun to play. Like honestly, I never ever ever saw myself playing country, but I've this is the second country band I've been in, and it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, country drums are pretty cool, aren't they? It's kind of it's rock, you know, right. and it's more taken to a rock approach, which is nice. At least it's not boring train beats literally the entire night and. You know, there's there's a little more interesting stuff to it, and that band's really fun, and the set seems to veer off in very different places throughout the night. We've played some Michael Jackson, we've played some Alice in Chains, like, really random stuff. So in this country cool. group? Yeah. Fuck out of here. Yeah. It's so weird. Yep. I mean, it's cool, though. It's fun. So are you were you a country fan before this at all? No. I no, mean I guess I have an appreciation for the older stuff, but sure. for the most part. Gotcha. No. So no. what else are you doing? Uh I play with my girlfriend actually. She's um a solo artist in the area. Um she does kind of it's very surf rock, pop punky sort of stuff. I feel like she often gets thrown in that singer songwriter category, but it's that but a lot cooler sure no, I, <laughs> it's I know really mean. fun so uh does she have shit up that yes. people can go listen to yes plug it go ahead um it. so i know if you just type in her name natalie fiddler which is spelled f-i-d-e-l-e-r pronounced like fiddler but spelled different um i think she's pretty much the only one that pops up but all of her stuff is available on Bandcamp. Um, she released a solo album in 2018 that was literally all her on every single instrument, guitar, bass, drums, keys, vocals, wrote it all. 
and it's incredible. Is that how you spell Natalie? Fiddler? Fiddler. F-I-D-E-L-E-R. That French. Fidela. 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 Oh, there oh. she is. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. <laughs> uh, Bandcamp, you said was the yeah. best one, so just so people can at least get a visual. Yeah. There you go. Boom. There it is. Check it out, guys. So, Steak and Eggs is her album, and then I am on the single Inside of You and Power Move. Sick. Well, there you are. Yeah. Aww. And then I have another band um, that actually does not have anything released. It's a progressive metal band called Portentum. Um, we've kind of figured out that we've been a band for a year, but with COVID circumstances and holidays just getting crazy uh, with our schedules and stuff, we've really only had about six-ish months to write stuff. And it was kind of a goal of ours to have an EP done by the end of this year, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But that's honestly been a dream project. Portentum? Portentum. We literally have nothing. Like, we created a Facebook, and we're not touching it until we have (laughs) something to present. (laughs) Instead of, hey, here's this cool blank Facebook page Um, with our So you said it's, it's progressive metal? Yeah. So... I know you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're mildly obsessed with Dream Theater. Mildly. Honestly, you know me in Portnoy, man. So is Portentum in any way related to Portnoy? No. No, Are it you was. Sure? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only the first four letters match, man. <laughs> That's enough for me to draw the connection. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, that word was based off, honestly, I can't remember like the actual definition of it now and I feel stupid. It's uh, basically a Latin word um, with this band. The music that we're writing is very emotional and talking about traumatic experiences and overcoming them and kind of in that sort of vein is where that band name derived from. And you know how it is, you like think of a term and look up cool words for it or like Latin terms for it, something cool sounding, but... Yeah, like I want to start a punk rock band called Schadenfreude, (laughs) 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 which is a terrible name, but it's a German word for finding pleasure in other people's suffering. (laughs) Schadenfreude. So there's that sort of aspect to it. That's cool, though. That's really fucking cool. And you're pretty excited about that. I'm really excited about this project. It's, It's literally a dream. Like It's me, bass, and keys. There's no guitar player. There's uh, We're working into vocals now, but most of it's been instrumental. How do you have a, pl- hold on, how do you have a progressive metal band without any guitars? Our bassist and our keys, man, it just fills it out. Like no our shit, bassist huh? has a crazy pedal board, and so he does a lot of, um, not like a lot of looping where that's all it is all the time, but there is some like looping there and then soloing over that. Like he can play like a guitar. It's crazy. Like I never thought I would be in a band without a guitar player and it just works. (laughs) That's That's so, so fucking cool. It's so cool. Like I feel like when I listen back to what we've done on the recordings that I've taken, like I get that same feeling that I get when I listen to my favorite bands. Right. That same, like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like, and I'm getting that with my own music, and that feels really good. I haven't had that in a long time. 
That's hard to find. Yeah. That's hard to find. Yeah. A lot of a lot of us just kind of just play to play, which yeah. is you do that too. Well, I mean, that's do why that I do too. the cover gigs and yep. stuff like, you know, it's it's a way to play and make money and also better myself as a musician. And yep. that's why I like to take on the different genres. Yep. Yeah, I used to hate cover bands. I used to like back in the MySpace days, I'd go, I'd I'd private message, not even private message, it was just message. I'd message bands, cover bands and just shit all over them. <laughs> fuck you guys you guys make it you guys make it so fucking hard for original music you fucking suck you're not even good enough to write music so you can play other people's music dude i was toxic it was bad i was like 18 19 just bitter i have that same mindset for a long time until i started that's why you're laughing so hard yeah that's why you're laughing so hard because like we've all felt that way oh man and there's also a lot of let's admit it there's a lot of shitty cover bands out there where it's like ooh, maybe don't maybe skip that one next time yeah (laughs) and it's not even we're not even mad at the band no we're mad at the venue because the venue you'll be like listen you got to let us come play here and they're like (laughs) oh cool what's your band name and you tell them and then they're like okay so so what kind of music do you do and you try to describe it and they're like yeah but what bands do you do what songs do you do yeah and you're like we're not a cover band we do originals and then they they have the audacity to go we only do cover bands here. Yeah. And it's like, but you don't get it. Our band's really good and we can outdraw <laughs> them as well. Like you think you're paying 200 to 500, 800, uh, two grand, whatever you're paying. You think this is worth it. We could bring 500 people into this bar. Instead, you have 80 and no <laughs> one's listening to this band. You, you know what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. That's why I never dealt with booking or anything like that. I don't want to touch any of that. I hate it. <laughs> I'm good at it, but I don't like it. Tell it me sucks. when and where to show up, and here I am. Yeah, my favorite thing to do is just book with other booking agents because that was easy. But when you start booking with actual venue owners and yeah. shit, especially if you're dealing with a manager or or a booker who's new or doesn't know what they're doing, or a venue <laughs> owner who like is trying to get in and he like wants it. Sometimes they want to do too much, and they're yep. like, "Dude, fucking stop! Come on, man, we're doing a local show here." Like, or it's yeah, it's the unreasonable expectations. Like the last time I really tried to do anything with that was probably like 2009, 2010, and reaching out to contacts I knew I had before, but then like playing. I remember one show. Um, within the morning, uh, we were playing at the fine line and there was like a horrendous ice storm that night. We were just cursed. That band was cursed in the winter. I think I remember this show. Here's the crazy thing. I knew members of your band. Yeah. Didn't know you. Didn't know you were in the band. (laughs) Never made the connection until years. Yep. We were working together, which was still years later and years ago now. (laughs) So, um, I remember the Fine Line show that you guys were, and I think you were supposed to headline Fine Line. Yeah, uh, Between Two Skies, Kevin Kildall's band was actually going to open for us. Yep. And because we hung out with, I hung out with Jake. <laughs> and I don't even think Newman was in the band yet. If no, he, Newman, they, he's been in the band the whole time. Okay, so he just wasn't hanging out at Area 52 then. But then you had a bass player, I think his name was Hans. Hans. Yep. And it was, he was. My favorite person. He he was my favorite person. He would sit on the floor like Indian style or cross legged, whatever you want to call it, you know. And he but but he also had like this like monk vibe to him. He does. Yep. He's a quiet dude. He's a really great guy and a one of the best bases I've ever. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and the way he would sit there and like he looked very eccentric and underwhelming. And then the way he would sit on the floor and play bass, like 
just hanging out with people. <laughs> but he would just run circles around everyone else in the room. <laughs> and, oh. then, and then he'd set the bass down and be like, thank you, guys. Yep. Have a good night. Oh, I can <laughs> see it exactly. <laughs> I remember when we recorded uh, Why Are We Driving to Iowa. Um, I knew he was great, but I feel like this happens to me, especially with bassists, is I don't really realize what's happening until we're recording and I can hear the full part and like every song that we had when bass or uh, Hans was recording his bass lines, it was just like, that's what you're doing there. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah. So good. Like everything he played is so good. You know who that reminds me of is, um, have you ever heard the isolated bass tracks of Cliff Burton? No. But I bet that is so. Everyone ridiculous. knows how great he is, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone, like especially if you ever seen him play live, go to. I can't play it. I got flagged. Me and Johnny got flagged last night, so that's why I'm not going to do it again. Um, I can't play other people's music off of YouTube. I will get flagged for it every <laughs> single time. Um, I can get away with it if it's your music and you're licensed, because right. then I can just like dispute it and be like, no, it's the artist who wrote the music on my podcast to promote their music, right. and then they give it to me. They're cool about it. <laughs> I ain't getting away with playing isolated Metallica bass lines. <laughs> but just even if you guys want to, we're going live. We're going to be here for a while. Fucking uh, pause this or pull up another browser, whatever, and just search isolated Cliff Burton bass lines. If you're already familiar with him and you already think he's great, wait until you hear these because it'll <laughs> fucking blow your mind. And that's what you're kind of talking about. Like you can play in a room and a full band with these guys. You can go see them live. You can hang out with them and you're like, that guy's awesome. But then there's something different that happens when you're hearing just them play to your drums which had probably already been recorded at that point or or you're laying down your drums and he's your scratch track and you're like fuck dude i didn't realize you were doing all that in that part do you ever was he so good have you ever like you're in the studio he's doing his parts and you go uh you're like fuck man i didn't really realize you were playing all of that hold on let me switch up my part to better honor what you're doing there whether you change your kick drum or you're like let me actually add in like a double snare here or a fill there i feel like those sort of things have happened there's nothing that's sticking out particularly i find with fills and stuff though that often my best fills in the studio are mistakes really (laughs) where i'm like you know there's some fills i feel like i play the same way every time and then there's a lot that i just kind of wing and experiment with a little bit. And sometimes when I think I'm playing the wrong thing, uh, I listen back and I'm like, oh, that was cooler than what I thought I did. So great, let's keep it. <laughs> Have you ever written a fill or a part or a, or a break where it was maybe a fuck up and you listened to it back and you were like, that's really cool. And then you can't figure out how you did it? Yes, uh, definitely. <laughs> that's that oh, got to be the most infuriating part of yeah. drumming is you do something and you're like, I have no idea how I did that because you're just jamming. You're just feeling it. <laughs> <Yeah>. just... <laughs> we had uh, Bilderberg had a point when we recorded. Um, Bilderberg's another band you were in? Yeah, just so for that was that actually confused. all of In the Morning except Hans. Um, Hans had decided that he wanted to step down from playing bass, so we got Kenner uh, Segrist in on bass. I remember Kenner. Oh, yeah. Kenner's I have the best story about shit. Kenner. But uh, we had another band, Bilderberg, for a while. Um, but I remember when we were recording one of our songs, 
Kenner and I were like just a touch off of each other on this one part, but it kind of created this cool hesitation and we ended up just leaving it. Almost like a polyrhythm. Kind of in a way, like it just gave this pause like a little extra. That's super cool. So we kept that. That's cool. That's an easy one, though. You can kind of figure oh, that yeah. out. But executing being a little off sync is hard. It's that's hard. that's tough. Yeah. But you don't have to relearn something. But that's cool. that's cool. I wanted to ask you this. So this is one of my favorite part of the podcast is whether whether it's a fellow drummer or a fellow guitar player because I play both instruments. Um, I used to be a singer. Understanding because I get a lot of these questions, and it's fucking fascinating how each instrument instrument is vastly different do you play any other instruments other than drums i actually was primarily a guitar player in my youth okay um and i also played piano for a long time so i started on piano uh at how old five or six i Holy was shit. really young okay. i was really young was parents force you into it yeah but i but you liked, it. liked it like i come from a musical family my mom taught me how to play drums my parents were in marching band together in college my dad was a trumpet player my brother picked up trumpet that's cool as now fuck. he teaches um brass and woodwind instruments gotcha um so i kind of have the musical genes like yeah i enjoyed it but i don't know with piano i uh got really good really fast and then kind of stemming off that uh, i had a neighbor that lived behind me i was a little neighborhood helper when i was like eight nine years old and I saw this woman out weeding one day and went up and was like, can I help you? <laughs> and she actually turned out to be um, a local musician whose like ads I would hear on the radio station. But she was a local artist. But to me, I'm like, where, I've heard you on the radio. When I, uh, I grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Um, I moved here when I was in fifth or sixth grade. Um, but I lived in Reading, Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. She was like a local artist. Um, that just happened to have commercials on and stuff. So I thought she was like famous. You right. know, I'm a little kid. So I'm yeah. like, you're so cool. <laughs> of but, course. Um, when I figured out who she was, she was like talking about playing guitar. I'm like, man, I've always wanted to learn how to play guitar. And and you already played piano. I already played piano. So I remember one day she like taught me two chords. She taught me this little like country sound ditty going back and forth between D and G. And then I didn't see her for like a month, um, but I didn't put the guitar down. And I remember at that point I had like taught myself half of uh, Nirvana's Nevermind. Like I just, I didn't put it down and like Sweet. having that piano knowledge, I kind of knew where the notes were on a guitar. Gotcha. Cheater. It came, <laughs> came more natural. And then around that same time, my mom started teaching me drums. That's super fucking cool. So I played drums in like school band from fourth grade on. So you probably don't even remember a moment then where you decided you wanted to do music because no. it was always around. It was always around. That's fucking cool. Yeah. So like I was really good at guitar. I was actually a way better guitar player than I was drummer for a long time. I was a good drummer, but I was a good guitar player. What possessed you to ditch the other instruments and get to drums you'll love this answer i bet you already know what it is i think i do mike portnoy <laughs> <laughs> like you already fucking know man i did kind of it was though it was portnoy's drumming that seriously like flipped that switch for me like i grew up obviously idolizing like 
Neil Peart and I just John Bonham like you you can't deny those guys like right. that was a huge thing for me and why I wanted to start playing drums like guitar was my love though right like Jimmy Page that sure. was that's why I have this tattoo like that was my that was my guitar hero um but yeah with drums uh I remember an old bandmate of mine when I was probably 18 or 19 uh showed me the live scenes from New York DVD okay and it was the dance of eternity. Gotcha. And that's like I literally have that song tattooed on my arm. And you were already drumming. I was already drumming. I just so you like, were into it. That wasn't my focus. Mm. Guitar was my focus. So that were was where I went from that shift to gotcha. guitar to drums. Like I don't know, man. I watched the dance of eternity, and I'm like. I want to do that. <laughs> so for you, one of because I've been asking you questions that I get, and just it's interesting hearing how you answer these. Like, here's another one I get, and I fucking it's for me it's an easy answer, but I have a million of these to do, so I don't need to answer every fucking question with my <laughs> own version too. I got to remind myself that I fucking talk too much. You know what I mean? It's more about getting to know you. That's guys. why you have a podcast. So let me ask you this. So and and the the answer for me, I also kind of know. I thought I when 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 I said so what 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 was it that made you decide to do drums over I I thought it's one of two answers it's either Portnoy or or she couldn't find a drummer and so she just started saying fuck it I'll drum then because that's what how most of us end up playing drums is we can't find a competent drummer I, and we're like fuck it I'll do it I uh, just had to comment on a friend's Facebook post the other day he was talking about the song uh, oh what was it deftones around the fur um there was a band i was in i was playing guitar and the drummer was all right he wasn't great and he was all right and he bought some new drum heads and didn't know how to tune his drums but i did so i tuned them for him and my <laughs> guitar player the other guitar player started playing uh, a part to a deftone song and I knew how to play it, so I started playing along with them. And, and they you're better than fired the... the drummer the next day. That's one of the most common stories. moved me back to the drums, and I felt bad because that drummer was the one that got me into that band. And I was like, kind of knew him from the first time I worked at guitar. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Should have worked dude. harder. Sorry, buddy. Because that's the problem I think with a lot of musicians, athletes, a lot of people. It's like, here's the thing. If you don't work hard enough, somebody with natural talent and less work ethic will take your job. Yeah. And if you are very talented, but you don't work hard enough, somebody with less talent and a more work ethic will eventually take your job. Uh, yeah. So if I can stay on it, don't rest on your <laughs> laurels. These are old cliches we've been taught since we were children. Right. Okay. So <laughs> here's one. I also think I know the answer to. But I still want to ask it because it's this fucking stupid question I get all the time. It's not a stupid question. Um, which one do you like better, right? Which is obviously drums because you decided to go with yeah. drums. Yeah, I start to miss guitar every once in a while. But the question is why do you like drums better? That's really the, the follow-up question. I think you. I like the physical nature of it. It's that it is that primal urge. It's that aggression. It's that good drumming can really make a song i think too like right. i think a lot of people if they're like vocals <laughs> good yeah. good drums can make a song bad drums can ruin a song yeah. same thing with vocals like and even simple drum parts there's different ways to play things and if you don't play it for the song then it 
can really shift things. And I think, I don't know, getting more into drums and kind of realizing that. Not that I didn't think that before, that every member had to be strong, but like a good drummer really does make a good band. Are you are you a sports fan at all? I do like hockey and baseball. Okay. But I I am not gung-ho about following. I used to be. Drummers are like first basemen. Like seriously, you don't you don't notice it when they don't fuck up and they make it all look really easy. Right. But when you have a really bad first baseman, it is so horrendously <laughs> obvious. That's what a that's what a drummer is. Right. Is we don't get any of the glory when we're when we're being humble and staying in the pocket right. and perfect on time. No one realizes it. That's the expectation. That's the minimum. But that's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. It's actually really easy to be flashy and go off and be fucking crazy. But does it sound good right. with that song? Is it in the right spot? Um, like those are, that, believe it or not, the hardest thing to do is like exactly what you said: play to the song, stay in the pocket, fucking put the right swing and groove on it. Um, it's hard. It's hard to explain, but that's really the best way I can do it. Is I honestly? Um, but you fuck up, you drop a stick. Woo! Everybody oh. <laughs> notices that. You know what I mean? That's the thing, man. I feel like um, drum mistakes are more glaringly obvious than other <laughs> instruments. You can like kind of play off if you played a wrong yep. note, but when you fucking derail a groove or drop a stick, like you said, there's that ooh moment <laughs> of. This doesn't you've, sound good. You played a ton of live shows. Did you ever, before you ever played your first live show, th and this is not one I get asked all the time. This is something I'm curious about that I should be asking more drummers. Before you ever played a show, were you aware that you were going to drop sticks or break sticks and practice breaking sticks or dropping sticks and learning how to play through it? Or hmm. did you just have to learn that uh, lesson, I guess, while you were doing it live? That's a good question. I feel like that's something you just learn to roll with, I guess. Yeah, I, I was able to cheat. I don't know. You like, there's always that fear or that those times when things happen on stage and you just kind of have to learn to adapt. And I feel like I've gotten pretty good at filling it in for a second and grabbing and going but i think we've all had some horrible on-stage disasters oh yeah oh yeah the only reason i ask it is because like because we've been talking about like if you break a stick everyone notices unless you know how to handle it yeah i like that's the thing is like if you if you're a true pro and that's where you can see a pro drummer is they break a stick and even if you can tell they missed a beat. They fucked something up. They get back on point so fucking fast that it doesn't even matter. And within another split second, as fast as it happened, you've forgotten about it right. because it's basically flawless. They'll still keep the band on. They'll still keep the main beat. They'll maybe drop a snare because they fucking they lost their stick. So, yeah. you know, you'll lose. But the really good ones and what I always used to tell my drummers before I started picking up drums is I'd watch other drummers fuck this up live. And I'd go, dude, when you fuck that up, just finish the bar fucked up. 
Just yeah. keep the rhythm, but don't try to bring that snare back in because it sounds like you fucked up now. Just act like it's one bar where you're being super progressive. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a jazz musician. Yeah, that joke exactly, about, exactly. This Just is go with it. Go exactly. You never fuck up in jazz. Jazz, you're progressive. We obviously have the same friends. I am gonna start using that one. Um, this is the progressive section. I've decided. Yeah, I just decided to like really flex my progressive music muscles for one bar. <laughs> live only on record i play it straight i like to do <laughs> it's that because you dropped a stick <laughs> i like to do that when we're warming up at all uh, especially with natalie i like to mess with her sometimes and i'll just start playing some of her songs like with blast beats or some ridiculous <laughs> nonsense and yep. it's fun to do that sort of stuff i was uh as a metal vocalist before i gave it up so my biggest flaw as a metal vocalist was singing heavy so i had a great scream and I could sing like acoustic shit pretty well. Was it like the, you know, yeah, like the, fucking, blah. like the when you're singing but aggressive, right? Like like the James Hetfield. I don't know if that's even a good example, but that singing <laughs> to sound cool, <laughs> it, it's hard. Yeah. Like it's really easy to sound cheesy, especially with this voice. <laughs> um, and uh, fuck, what was I gonna say? I forgot what, I, what what my point was. What were we talking about? We were talking about improv and off the other shit. Um. And then there was something that reminded me of being a vocalist. Bad heavy Oh, scene. oh no! It was sound checking. It was sound checking. So I'm in a metal band. Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, um, I did a little bit of singing, but not really. Right. I would warm up with Amy Winehouse <laughs> and Elton John. How does that work? So I'd literally just like they'd be like, I go to do my vocal check, and I'd walk up and be like. Trying to make me go to rehab. I, but I, dude, I could mimic her voice. Like, I haven't sang for years, so now don't even ask me to. But it was that one, and then I do The Circle of Life by Elton John. It's the circle of life. And Somebody I could hit my notes. Yeah, like yeah. Lion cub at the same time. It was amazing. And uh, there was uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, too. Oh, Can man. you feel? And it was just... I did it because we were in a metal band. So I think it's hilarious that you kind of go the other way yep. when you're doing the coffee shop mm -hmm. style. I mean, you said it's not really singer-songwriter, but it's not metal. There's no place for blast beats, no. but you still do them in sound check. None at all. <laughs> I, do, I love that shit. <laughs> My favorite thing I ever saw, though, is a dude we worked with at Guitar Center for a while. And um, I went and seen one of his shows randomly. I can't remember his name. You probably would know who I'm talking about if I remember it, remembered his name. But he uh, learned how to play. It was almost like, do you know, who, have you seen the, the, the YouTube dudes, uh, Happy Metal? Where they play all the, the oh, metal yeah, songs in full yeah. major keys? Yep. It was basically that before they existed. <laughs> and that's how he warmed up. So he would play like Enter Sandman in major. Oh, and no. he, it was hilarious. It was so fucking cool because it was the right song and everything was right. But he switched all the minor notes to major notes and it was fucking hilarious. And I seen him do that at a show one time when he was warming up or sound checking <laughs> or whatever. And I was like, that's fucking creative. Like, I, man, I remember if I'm ever a guitar player live, I'm going to do that. Well, now I can't because there's fucking it it's, uh, sounds people. cool, but it sounds so weird. At it the same weird. time, I hate hearing songs in the opposite keys. Yeah. Well, especially like bands like Metallica where they did a lot of major key stuff but they'd slip in minor notes in the progression yeah. and 
you know, for a lot of laymen, it sounds like it's all like, oh, it's so weird. Like they're not supposed to do that. And it's like, actually that those, all those notes are in this scale, which is like a fucking middle Eastern scale, like the whole master of puppets thing. Like all of that. My buddy uh, Foley does these guitar videos and he broke one down about like how this scale works in all these different spots. And then all of a sudden he starts playing the middle of master of puppets in the middle (laughs) of this other thing. And it all clicked for me. I was like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand exactly what you meant. Like and they fucking wrote the entire song around this obscure scale. And That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I fucking never would have known that unless somebody would have told me. Yeah, you know what I mean. But and it's super nerdy, but also cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you take all those minor notes out and replace them with the closest major note, it still sounds like it, but it it doesn't sound. It's right. got a very different vibe. It'll fuck though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you guys are curious what I'm talking about, uh. Happy Metal, just search it. Uh, I think they're on Facebook and YouTube, just Happy Metal. Um, it's some of the funniest, coolest, most original shit I've seen in a long time. And that shit blew up. Those guys those guys are yeah. doing very well off that channel. So good for them. Shout out to those boys. That's Ben and Andy. Like, I don't know him personally, but I've been talking to him for a long time. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, but they're, they're too busy. They're too big for me. <laughs> too big for They already blew up too big. I could have probably got him on two years ago, but... Now they're just a little bit too much. <laughs> they're a little bit too much. Too for cool. Me. So what else you got going on? Oh man. What have you been up to? Any any interesting stories since uh, we all left? I guess GC? this. Oh, since I left, because that's where we met. In case people are curious, we met not through the music scene. Ironically, even though I mean, I guess kind of. But it was would, it was through Guitar Center. It was through Guitar Center. Would you count that as a music scene? By default, by default, because <laughs> half the scene worked at Guitar Center. Yeah, that's but, true. But no, it doesn't strictly count as the scene. I don't know, man. I not even the industry. Had moved to Alice Drum Shop after. Um, that's the one in St. Paul, right? Yeah, uh, I worked there for about two years until he closed. In so I left Guitar Center in 2013. Worked at Ellis until 2015, and now I've been at Clash ever since then. But your primary gig is, I mean, in a non-COVID world, is the cover shit, the the drumming, and then you're doing lessons. Yeah, I... How long have you been doing lessons now? Man. So I started teaching um, at She Rock, She Rock eight years ago, and that was like a... For people that don't know, explain what She Rock, She Rock um, So it's is. a nonprofit organization for girls and trans youth, um, basically to get them involved in music, and we do a camp um, once a year that is guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, vocals, all age groups. It's like eight to 16 year olds and then we do a teen week that's i think like 14 to 18 or something like that um basically they have uh, an instrument class and then they get put into a band kind of based off age and skill level and personalities and stuff like that so when your parents started teaching you all the music stuff and you started getting in it, did you learn it formally and learn the theory behind everything? I did. Um, and does that apply to the lessons that you do as well, or do you just do more like just practical drumming Kind lessons? of more practical stuff. Honestly, like when I started drumming more, I stopped reading sheet music. I've kind of always been an ear player. Yeah, me too. Um, I, it's exactly the same thing. I knew how to do it. 
and I've forgotten how to do it because yeah. in my world, it is basically useless. Yeah. Like, unless feel... you're unless you're doing it every day, right? Like, like it, it just, it's so easy to forget because it's so hard to remember. And like Jen Dean Forberg is a, is the exception to the rule because she's in a situation where that's part of her process to learn drums. She right. transposes everything. She charts it all out. And then also she's playing with a big band, like yeah. a literal jazz band where it's important to do that. And I mean, if you're a session guitar player, right, or a session drummer, you might need to do that because you might need to be ready on the fly with zero rehearsal. I feel like but that what happened we do, more back in the day. And I think it, it, there might, yeah, and I agree. And that's what I'm kind of saying. There might still be a small market for that. But in our world, the way we do things, I get time to listen to shit. Yep. And in the cover world, which I really don't do, I have, I flirted with it multiple times, but I don't want to pretend I'm a cover musician. But most of the times, I already know the songs in my head. And I'm a fairly decent drummer, so all I got to do is listen to it on the way there and go, oh, I forgot about that part. And then like, oh, shit, what are they doing there real quick? Bop, bop, bop. Okay, got it. Ty oh, he's coming in on the end of three. Got it. Okay, here. Boom. Okay. And then you walk into the addition. It's fine because all your physical skills are already there, yeah. right? It's big. It's super helpful. If you already know the song, <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it easy is most of the cover gigs I've done. It's like I'm familiar enough with the song where... I know the like meat and potatoes of it, I suppose. It's working out the fine details and stops and starts. That's always the the challenge. And I found yeah, that like especially a fill or something. when songs sound so similar. This is a thing that throws me off, like with country music, like the country band that I'm in. Um the challenge with those songs, they're not they're not hard. There's right. just not hard at all. But they all sound exactly the same. So sometimes in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, is this the song that has this fill or this fill right here? Yep. Like, yep, <clears throat> there's these weird little interminglings of I think it's this song. Oh, no, if it's not this one, like I've experienced that in a non cover act. Yeah. So I was playing in this one band. Well, not I wasn't playing in the band. I, got, I took a jobber gig. Right. And I don't want to talk about too many details because I don't want to talk shit or seem like I'm talking shit because I'm really not, but it was the exact same thing. It was like two of the songs had the exact same drum beat, like the identical <laughs> drum beat, okay? So, so that was one that fucked me up. Um, they, they, they ended differently, and most of the song was different, but the, the how the song started, like on drums, and the verses were identical <laughs> on the drums. Yikes. Number two, uh, or sorry, that was one and two, and then there was like, songs number five six and seven or something on the set list where it was almost exactly what you said the songs sounded almost the same and it was like the, the hardest part of of being a jobber for me is boring easy music yeah if it's dynamic and it's all over the place it's easier to remember the more creative in insane it is the easier it is to remember therefore the easier it is for me to learn on a short term. Yeah. It can get soul sucking really quick <laughs> with certain songs. That's for sure. There's <laughs> definitely been a handful of covers where I'm like, I do not want to play this ever again. I never want to hear this song ever. <laughs> that's what it's got to help, right? To play music that you like. So isn't it, wouldn't it logically be easier to be in a 
tribute band than a than a regular cover band because usually you love that band. I right? have to say, the Fool Fighters has never gotten boring. There's a handful of songs, I guess. Now, like, I think it's a great song, but if we never played "Learn to Fly" ever again, I wouldn't be upset about it. It's like. Sure. Not that I think it's a bad song. It's just I know what you mean, though. Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's probably the most boring one of the night. Sure, especially from a um, uh, drumming perspective. There's it's... just nothing in that song that's really because I I warm up to a lot of Fool Fighters. Like, there's I have several different warm up sets that are like 45 minutes long of just random covers that I like, bands I like, drummers I respect, like. And I shuffle them up and shit. And in every single one of those sets, there's at least one or two fighters on. Yeah. Because Dave Grohl's drums, like, and I know the other dude plays them, but come on. It's like, it's still Dave Grohl. Like, Dave Grohl ain't letting no shitty drums get through his band. No. (laughs) Taylor plays very similar to Dave. I think that's why they. Very similar. He had to find somebody like that or that band would have not worked out as well as it did. Right. But that, that stuff just never gets old what's it's, your what's what do you what would you say is your favorite Foo Fighter song to play run has been my favorite that we do recently recently or, or yeah. overall honestly I have to say overall that one gets me really fired up I think it's really well written I like that kind of just nasty guitar part during the verses I think that's so fucking cool it like to... starts out really pretty and then just it just it's so good i just think it's a really well-written song i know it's newer stuff too but man it's i can't remember the name of the fucking song i really like i wish we would do this one low you remember that one at all it was on a soundtrack for a movie i want to say I can pull it up and we can listen to it. I just can't share it on the oh, podcast because it's going to drive me fucking nuts, guys. Jesus Christ. Um, that stuff is always challenging. Because I can't remember the song low and I can't remember the name of the song that I do have going in my head right now. <laughs> this should work. Hopefully it doesn't crash anything. It should be fine. Um, what's the hardest... Fool Fighters song to play like if somebody wants to improve their chops using that I mean you can't deny it ever long ever long that song still makes my forearms burn (laughs) that's hard it's just hard keeping the stamina through that whole thing has has been a challenge if I'm like not consistently practicing that it falls apart really fast it's been hard with shows being so spread out and obviously now I'm not gigging well you just got into a house though right yes. so you're probably practicing a lot more I now. am and that's been a a huge a huge 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 thing i i think my nobody's called the cops are... on you yet no uh one of our neighbors is actually me and natalie's bandmate and oh, nice. a close friend of ours that works and then the neighbors on the other side have been really cool i'm like I'm really respectful about hours. I don't think I've played past nine yet. Like Right. We talked about that online. Because, yeah. yeah, that's still a thing. Even in a house, whether you own it or not, even in a house, you can be as loud as you want during the day until 10 p.m. Yeah. And at 10.01, I've had cops knock on my door, meaning the fucking thing had been somebody called way before 10 o'clock, and they were like, we can't do anything till 10 o'clock. Right. And all of a sudden, fucking 10.01, and boom, 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 boom. And I, I'm not joking either. There's been times where 
like we cut it off at 9:59 and we come upstairs from the basement you know back in the day because we don't really jam here anymore right. but um we'd come back up and we'd see cops walking away from the house like they were ready <laughs> and then we stopped at 9:59 and they were like okay we can't do anything and they'd have to leave thing though like it's you know i, I get being respectful but you're gonna call the police because someone's playing drums that's the one that's my favorite pretender uh, oh yeah that's my favorite one to, that's to, fun. to play dude that that the way the drums come into that song yeah just literally just <laughs> beating the shit out of the <laughs> snare drum cap 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 broken cap, many a stick i think it's eight one. consecutive <laughs> snare hits before and then when he comes in it's just the kick drum to yep. accent the extras it builds yep and then it's not until the the end of the entire round when he finally and he comes in with the full version of the beat but it's just so fucking like no one does that no one just starts my like man we always argue about this as musicians like fuck how do i start this song like man maybe you should start the song like no 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 i think the guitar (laughs) should start the song said blah 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 blah. they wrote this cool and it sounds just beautiful and we hadn't done this one in a while (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) it's so obnoxious i wish we could play it for people without getting fucking Without getting plagued, I am going to play this, though, because I do love this song. We hadn't done it in a while, but Stacked Actors was another one of my favorites to play. So they can't hear this, but we'll have this in the background. It it is good. Yeah, and he just comes in beating the shit out of this (laughs) snare drum. Does he do it? Have you seen him live? Does he hit it with two hands? I haven't. Because I just beat the shit out of it with my left. I do both. Do you? Yeah. Do you I, go for the flam or do you just go for the loudest honestly, single hit? I go back and forth with it. It's funny. Like sometimes I'm like, start doing the flam and I'm like, I don't think I like this. Like, It's way more it. than eight. <laughs> it's way more than eight. I love it. Um, for people that don't know what a flam is, real quick to the non-drummers, explain to them what a flam is. Because it sounds like we're making up words. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like we're talking about like a Ren and Stimpy <laughs> fucking... Oh my God. I love Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> um, it's basically when one stick is hitting right before the other, but they're like... God, flames are hard to explain because it's no, like I, two I would, separate notes, but not. I think so, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like an intentional, an intentional it, almost hesitation. Yeah, would so call it's it. almost like two. So instead of two things hitting perfectly on time okay. like that, like yeah, like yeah. yeah, you do it slightly. Also, it's and when you do that, it just sounds a little different. It's so hard to not just <laughs> to just start air drumming this yeah. song. Best want okay. Do you know the local band Emergent? I've heard of them. I don't think I... They're pretty successful for a local band. Like, they went way past the local scene, right? But they're still our boys. Jamal, the bass player, was on the podcast. Um, So they're in this band, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to church. Literally, I used to go to church every Sunday. (laughs) This is recent. I stopped going for political reasons. (laughs) Not, Not... U.S. politics, religious (laughs) politics, because I started seeing him sneak some shit in there that I know ain't in the fucking Bible. (laughs) Like, I was like, ah, busted. See ya. Are we really surprised? And and Kate and I, I looked at my wife, who's an atheist, but was just going because she like 
doesn't it, hate it. She just doesn't believe it, right? But she's going to support me and blah, 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 uh, or be with me, whatever. And uh, I looked at her and I was like, we're not coming back here. <laughs> and she's like, why? I was like, because that shit's not that shit in the Bible. Right. They just made that up. Oh, and she's man. like, okay. And we left that day. We waited till the end. We were respectful. We waited till the end. We left quietly. We never fucking went back. <laughs> and I've never gone back to church since. It's just impossible to find a church that's not trying to fill you full of bullshit. I am not a religious person. I, I'm really glad that I grew up in a household that did allow me to choose that sort of stuff. Like I think my parents made us go to church on Easter and Christmas Eve when I was a kid. I don't remember when that stopped. And then I think when I was in like seventh grade, I had a friend that went to kind of a progressive church and I tried to go, I don't know, just to experiment and see what I thought about it. And I got really weirded out by the hand raising. Yeah. Yeah, that shit's it, creepy. It didn't make me feel very good. And I was like, mm, I don't know about this. No, that's just creepy weird. as fuck. No, it's creepy <laughs> as fuck. There's so many things about the church shit that creeps me out. Like, And so I was like, well, you know, I won't do all that weird shit, but I'll, I'll at least be part of the like actual like listening to the sermon, you know, because there's some really good life wisdom in the Bible, right? And like, ugh. There's just only so much they can teach you because it's just another asshole. It's just another dude up there. Like, it's not God. It's not Jesus. It's not an actual prophet or a saint or a holy person. It's a fucking dude who lives down the block and drives a Toyota Camry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't actually know shit. And some of these guys, like, you know who I will listen to, though? Are the like ex drug addicts the like the the guys who like fucking found God in prison because they murdered somebody and like they be- dedicated their life to God because they've actually been in the world but these fucking dudes who clearly grew up in like Edina and went to school at a seminary school and got a degree and of like you know they waited till they were married to have sex like it's really fucking hard for me to take you seriously and for you to give me life advice when you grew up with all of that protection and privilege and shelter i agree with like, that and i feel be- like it's so much up for interpretation yeah also, a lot of it and is. some of that interpretation gets spun in a way that is dangerous to me personally you know like it's it's a hard thing to talk about for a lot of people but I don't know. I'm I'm just glad that I had that choice when I was younger because I feel like I had a lot of friends I got forced into that stuff and Sure. Not that it necessarily negatively infect well, kind of does negatively impact their lives later on and realizing like that manipulation side of things and, Right. Yeah, especially if they were brought up Catholic cuz yes. they 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 use guilt as That's a manipulation the tool. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see I wasn't raised Catholic in like my version of Christianity if you want to call it that. Um, I have a I have a hard time with that word yeah. because it's very much something else than what it started as. Um, but my version of Christianity, if we're getting strict about definitions, Catholics are Satanists, <laughs> like because they they worship and pray to people that aren't gods, right? Like like they break commandment number one daily. Like they pray to all these saints, they pray to Mother Mary, you know, and they have all these like logical explanations for it, right? And I don't actually think that like Catholics are worshiping Satan on purpose directly, (laughs) but 
if you like get into certain versions of Christianity, like technically, strictly, anybody who's not worshiping the right God through Jesus is a Satan worshiper. And I'm like, okay, whether that's true or not, I am not willing to like (laughs) condemn everyone. But my point is where I'm going with this is it does seem to be religions like that that people actually rebel against and like look at as evil. Like I know a lot of people who are raised Catholic that they're like, fuck religion, fuck God, fuck the Catholic church. That's the biggest one that I hear is Catholicism and being forced, like legit forced into that lifestyle and later realizing that. Yep. That's fucked up. (laughs) For real, for real. And there's other religions that do too. Like I'm Jewish, like by blood and name and shit. Um, but I wasn't raised Jewish. And one of the reasons I wasn't raised Jewish is because apparently way back somewhere along the way, we converted to Christianity for similar things because Judaism is extremely oppressive in its orthodox version. And I mean, we're talking like the same level of like extreme conservative Islam, you know, we're like, bitch, you get beheaded. You leave the house without me. Right. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. Like it's scary. It's scary so, and it's crazy how prominent it is at the same time. Well, and I feel very similar to the way you do because I feel lucky I was also raised in an atmosphere where not only was I allowed to choose because my grandparents are extremely religious. My grandfather was a pastor, um, like the whole nine yards, right? My mom technically believes in God. But she didn't go to church every Sunday. She didn't bring me, right? I just naturally believed in it. But I was always introduced to every version of it where, like, the worst it is is cheesy as fuck and a little bit creepy with, like, the hand raising and, like, the singing and, like, the holding hands and shit. I'm like, this shit feels like a cult. Yeah. Fuck all that. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, man. (laughs) For real. For real. That's that's what it feels like to me. But, like, I got lucky in that regard. Right. Like, I was never molested. I was never guilted. I was never told if I'm fucking gay, I'm going to hell. Like, I was never told any of that shit, you know? Like, the people that taught me my religious philosophies and beliefs, it was all about, like, compassion, love, understanding, and forgiveness. And that's what it should be and right and i think if more people were raised with people like that less people would be anti-religious i think that you know that ties so we just much. have Foo Fighters just playing in the background now <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to and interrupt like you i just soft, realized it's still going just like a soft acoustic <laughs> version in, of everlong yeah, right and, it went, and it's like as you're we're like, having a deep conversation i know exactly <laughs> that's what i was gonna say because you're like i don't know i think uh, it's one of those things and all of a sudden he's just like so long, <laughs> I'm waiting for you guys can't hear it i'm sorry because i'm not willing to get flagged every episode <laughs> One in ten episodes tops. I got a ten percent rule. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of that ties in with like politics and stuff. Is I think that these are maybe good ideals for people, but it's also creates all this tension and turmoil at yeah. the same time. And it's weird to me that we all don't want the same thing for each other. And as human beings, it's it's weird to me. It's very strange because. And it's interesting that you bring up the politics thing, because I think I can not only agree with that, but I think I can cite a reference for it. So I got sent away to a boarding school because I was a troubled youth. And when I was at boarding school, it was a Christian boarding school. And if I was going to turn against God and like look at the whole religion, it would have been because of this place, (laughs) right? Because some bad shit happened. It was a dark, dark place. And I definitely think I, I carried a couple demons out of that place. 
like that haunted me for a long time. If you believe in that kind of shit, like if it's true, like I had a couple and they came from that place and it took me a long time to shed that shit. Like I, I really did kind of feel this dark aura around me for years and it definitely came from that place. But anyways, um, it, when I left, I was thinking about getting tattoos and not just tattoos, but a lot of tattoos, like way, like what you have right now would be like nothing. I was talking a full sleeve in my head, like into a shoulder piece, into a chest piece, the whole fucking kit and caboodle. I had the whole thing designed and figured out. And I was like, fuck man, somebody, one of my conservative relatives was like, you know, it says in the religion, in the Bible, you shouldn't mark your body. And then there's another part in the Bible where it's like, oh, but you know, you, everything you do in your life should be to glorify God. So I'm like, okay, so if I mark my body, but I'm marking my body and they're all like religious tattoos and like they're meaningful to me. And I'm like, none of them are, not only are they not like anti-religious, but they're like glorifying my version of what I believe in for God. Wouldn't that be acceptable? No one could give me a straight answer. So I'm like, all right, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to call the fucking pastor and his wife from the old boarding school because they're basically scholars at this point. They've been doing this for so long, you know. The entire thing is built around the Bible, this whole school. And so I call her and I ask her this. And and first of all, I go, um, I need to know where it's actually written. I need to actually read this for myself. She goes, I got to call you back. Three hours later, she calls me back. She's like, here's the verse. And she's like, if you need more references, there's a couple other things. Here's they are. And I, I look them up while I'm on the phone. I read them. And I'm like, okay, but what if my tattoos are to glorify God because of this verse, this verse, and this verse? And she goes, now you're getting into politics, and I'm not comfortable giving you advice on that. That's something you have to decide. She go- And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, okay, so this is where our ideas of conservatism and liberalism come into play. It literally started from religion and how they interpreted certain things like this. So liberals were more open to interpretation. Conservatives were like, nope, buy the book. That's what it says. Don't fucking do it. Because they were scared they were going to go to hell. So you're 100% correct in your like, in your the way you like softly put that out there. No, I think you're 100% correct. And there's the reference for it. Yeah. Is it is. And, and then you look at anything all the way up, get off religion for a minute and look at, at, at our at our political situation in United States politics, whether you're for or against it, gun control, right? Conservatives, it says you have the right to bear arms. We're not willing to negotiate. People on the liberal side are like, well, you know, hey, they were talking about this, this, and this, not this, this, and this. That's It's the same logic, but they're not agreeing about real. It's the interpretation of old information. It's so two-sided. That's the problem with it. There's so many fucking gray areas. There's right. so many gray areas, and to neglect those gray areas is, I think, what creates danger. I agree. And then when we try to pay, pass laws that, you know, okay, like the table here. Let's look at the whole table. This is right, this is wrong, and there's a lot of gray area in between, but they write the law right down the middle as a black and white issue, and so there's all this nuance before you get to truly wrong or or truly right, but they're like, nope, too bad. Yeah. So again, whether it's even the interpretation, it's when they try to put in legislation to make something complex simple in its enforcement or execution right and we see that shit with fucking everything the biggest problem i have with the conservative party right now is 
they've completely forgotten the founding principle. Yeah. Which original conservatism was like, the government has no right to tell me what I can and cannot do with myself, my body, or my property. Now the conservatives are doing exactly that. Yeah. You can't do that. That should be illegal. The and I'm whole... like, yeah, but why? And they go, because it's disgusting. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not a good enough reason. No. You know, if I want to, if I literally want to remove both bottom ribs and eat my own asshole for <laughs> sexual pleasure, <laughs> I have that fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that, though, man. And I think that's why I'm voting for Joe Jorgensen. I don't know. <laughs> People should be able to do what they want as yeah. long as they are not harming anybody. It's it's <sighs> so simple to just leave each other the hell alone. It's so it's easy. so simple. And no matter how big our differences are on any one issue, it doesn't fucking matter because there's so many other things where we're so similar. Mm -hmm. There's way more things everyone is similar on than we are. It doesn't matter. You could even list a dozen things where you're like, I don't know if I could be Jared's friend because he feels this way about these 12 things. And I could go, okay, but we agree 100% on these 500 things. Right. How much weight are those 13 things? Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. If I think it's okay that you run around and punch infants in the face, <laughs> yeah. then maybe we shouldn't be friends because that's super fucked up. I don't you know? know. That's coming into play right now with <laughs> fucking gay rights, dude. Like, it's scary to me to see that even appearing in the news again. It's weird. It's, it's weird. weird. I thought we already had this figured out. And it's so stupid. We have so many more important fucking things going on right now. And you're worried about whether I like women <laughs> or not. Like, it's pathetic. I just don't understand why they're worried about it. I don't That's get what doesn't it. make sense to me. I don't get it. I'll like, never get it. Like, seriously, to me, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, like okay, you, you think being gay is wrong. Okay, don't be gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really that simple. profound wow mind-blowing concept I... like it's not like we're talking about heroin's bad people shouldn't be allowed to do it because you could do it once and die or be addicted for life yeah that's not how being gay works guys <laughs> it's I... not like aids or <laughs> cancer or coronavirus where it can spread or like manifest itself out of nowhere. Like that's not how these things work. No. You know, like gay doesn't spread. <laughs> I think it's spreading that people started to get more comfortable coming out over the years. Well, and here's but here's my that's whole. That's not like a oh my god. Here's my whole take on that. Like somebody talk to me. That's gay. New. Being gay is nothing new. We've gone through extreme waves of being very openly gay and bisexual <laughs> and experimental 70s. to being very. Not, fuck, I'm, I, let's go all the way back to the Greeks and the yeah, Romans. Yeah. You know, there was times where being gay was like, no problem. It was open. It wasn't even a thing. There wasn't even a reason to think it was taboo to being ultra conservative, yeah. to being very liberal, to being. It, it's just another cycle. That's what's been fucking me up, Lee, is any <laughs> issue we bring up that we're going through right now. I guarantee you, if you know enough about history in just America, let alone the rest of the world, you could find a spot where we already dealt with this once on probably this almost this exact issue. And in many regards, we already kind of figured it out. So how yeah. is how are these problems coming back up every 50 to 70 <laughs> years? It's like I'm just my mind is blown by it. 
And as a straight cisgendered white male, I have zero right to have any opinion on any of it, <laughs> which it is kind of fair. Because like, sucks, dude. Like, it just sucks. It sucks that people suck so bad <laughs> that I just can't be happy. And I think it's the internet too, because face to face, most people aren't hateful. Most people are kind of pleasant face to face. I don't really see what's wrong with liking women. I'm sure you can agree. I love women. <laughs> They're great. I had a hard time just picking one. <laughs> <laughs> People were shocked when they found out I was getting married. They were like, no, no way. I'm sure you were a little surprised. You were like, that guy's getting married? A little bit. It's all right. It's all right. My wife was a little surprised. She's like, wait a minute. You want to marry me? Okay. She wasn't again. It. She was for it. Oh, that's funny. No, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why anybody gives a fuck who you sleep with. Um, I think some of the shit, though, is like, because we kind of talked about this before the podcast. I literally legitimately don't care. I don't I really don't even think it's any of my business. The only reason it should be my business is so I don't step on my own toes and say or do something stupid that's going to make you uncomfortable. Right. Right. So we like go out and fucking party at the bar and shit. And I see you like vibing with some dude. Right. <laughs> Like, but you're just like broing down, right? But I don't know you're you're a gay woman, so I like walk over to that dude and I'm like, hey man, yeah, my friend seems me. my friend seems really into you. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my friend seems super into you. You should go fucking hit her up for her number, and then I put you in an awkward spot because I'm an ignorant idiot. You see what I'm saying? Like, so in that context, it might be good to know, but really, in almost any practical scenario, I don't care. I don't want to know. It's really none of my business. Right. But there's so many people that I think feel oppressed over it. They're very vocal about it. And I think a lot of people are just sick of hearing about everything. Like yeah. they don't want to hear about your political views, about your fucking feminism or being straight or being gay. Like the biggest one and Rogan made the best point is uh, the new group is the the men's rights activists. It's like we got one spot where we're getting fucked, dude. And it's like in divorce court, child support court, like dudes do really get fucked over in those scenarios. Yeah. That's it. That's all. That's it. We got all the other rights. <laughs> like he's got a whole a whole bit about it. It's great. But again, it's like, dude, no one wants to hear about this 24-7 from right. every single group where you're built, where your identity is now like suddenly built on what type of struggle you have. And it's like, I think that's where a lot of people's ignorance is manifesting itself into actual hate because right. they're just they're burnt yeah. they're burnt they're hearing about every different person of every different group of every different color or sexuality or whatever and they're just and i'm not even saying i'm one of them i'm just trying to understand how and that's the only thing i can think of yeah because otherwise it doesn't fucking make any fucking sense you know I mean, it's just fucking it's exhausting it and is exhausting and you can't even get away with this shit watching sports anymore no now you watch sports, you got to sit through fucking 20 minutes of them talking about something, whether it's fucking Tim Tebow's abortion 10 years ago or <laughs> fucking or his abortion protest, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just, and it seems like month by month, day by day, it's just happening more and yep. more and more. I so. agree with that. Um, well, we can get off the politics shit. We can fucking get back to talking fun music stuff. Um, what What the fuck are you guys doing during COVID in all your 
are you guys doing the live stream shit? Are you guys thinking about doing that? Um, Natalie herself has had some live stream gigs. We actually did a radio station thing up in St. Cloud a, uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, up at the college radio yeah. station? Yeah, um, and that was really fun. And it was nice to play like full band and actually had a pretty nice sounding room. And that was uh, recorded and put out. But other than that, there's just been nothing. Nothing worth doing? No. I'm becoming obsessed with this idea, by the way. I miss the stage a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. It sucks. It's been financially draining. It's hard to not feel like there's much to look forward to, honestly. Not that there's not cool things going on in my personal life or anything what do you miss the most about playing live just being on stage i, I don't really so people know. ask me people ask me about this they're like so i mean it obviously looks and seems cool but like what is it specifically that gets you off that sounded weird but you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i mean women um. <laughs> all of them just any type um i don't know it's all the little things about it. I had put up a post on Facebook quite a while ago. Like it's here. I'm gonna pull this a little bit closer. To oh me. yeah, to me. There you go. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's much better. Just feeling like stage monitors, that interaction between bandmates, the nights where you have a really good crowd, like those things that make playing music worth it. Like why we do it. Like. I think we all do it for that little touch of ego boost, but you know how it is when you play a really good show and it just, it feels good. Yeah. There's something about the volume. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Feeling my monitor, feeling my kick coming through my monitor. Like I miss that, those little tiny. When they got really good subs under the stage and you hit that kick drum and the whole fucking thing shakes. (laughs) Uh, Gensmer was telling me about like in smaller gigs, uh, there's something that guys have to compensate for it. Um, Oh, the butt kicker. Yeah, the butt kicker. I've never heard of this before. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a hilariously stupid concept, but he's like, I tried one one time and it actually, it's kind of cool. It does simulate it a little bit often thought like is this stupid but it makes sense Mm -hmm. it is a feeling thing yeah and i think that's a big reason like trying in-ear monitors a handful of times um that was the biggest thing i didn't like about it i'm like i can't i don't have a monitor on my stage i can't feel what i'm doing and i don't Mm. i don't like that i think that's a big aspect of live playing that makes it fun yeah yeah, I is agree. That and it's it creates a different energy and it creates a different Yeah, vibe. and there's yeah, especially from a drumming perspective, it's a lot different because you get so used to the way your drums sound one way and then when you play live um and you hear them mic'd up on a good PA, even just a decent PA, just hearing them mic'd up and bouncing back and you hear everything it takes you a couple seconds the first couple times it takes you a few seconds to get used to it, but there's uh, once you get used to it you're like that's the vibe yeah like that's the vibe Mm -hmm. that we do this for and for me it's kind of the same thing it's the smell in the room it's the anticipation the excitement like that's what we work for it's like it's like playing the the football game on sunday practice is fun too but the game is why we do it yeah and big time so many of us say like we'll do it even if the room's empty because it is better with the crowd the bigger the crowd the better the louder the crowd the better but it doesn't really 
matter. It we doesn't really matter. We don't actually need them there. No. Um, honestly, sometimes I've played to some small crowds that have been better than larger crowds that I've had. It's like the more... As long as the room's not too big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that sucks, man. The fine line's definitely been one of those venues yep. for me where it's like, yeah, we're playing here and it's great. And there's like 30 people and yeah. you know how big that room is. So it looks yeah. like there's two. Fuck, 30. <laughs> that's, that's, that's heartbreaking when it's a venue that size and it's that small. Yeah. 30 people hurts at Club Underground, which can only hold 200. Yeah. 30 people hurt there. <laughs> Fuck, even two, 300 people at Fine Line, it feels like it's there's something off. Like, yeah. the energy's just not right. Like, yeah, and, like, I don't know how to explain it either. It's just, like, there's something about playing live where it's it's legitimately therapeutic. Yeah, it is. And it can't be replicated. No. Again, even if the room is empty, it's still better than just another rehearsal yeah i think it's like you know lighting and mood and like you said smells of different places even if it fucking stinks right <laughs> like but there's still a smell there's a smell there's a smell to music venues that is, is different than bars there is there there's i don't know what it is it's probably the cables we're probably smelling all that rubber from the cables that overpowers the booze and the sweat and the vomit. <laughs> I mean, what else could it be? You know, yeah. it's got to be the PA gear that we're smelling, there the leather something. and the rubber. But yeah, it's like when I play live, I feel like I'm home. Yeah. Like, like if you were to, you know, play some like old, you know, reincarnation shit and like I've lived multiple lives. Like, yeah. This is what I'm supposed to be. Doing. I agree with that a thousand percent. That's yep. that's exactly what it is. It's. Like you said, this is where I belong. Like yep. this is what makes me happiest, and yeah. And for me, it's a comfort thing. Like I love doing all the other shit in my life. Don't get me wrong; all those other things are super fun. I loved playing sports. Um, I love doing the podcast. Um, I love doing everything. But everything el everything I do feels like I'm posing a little bit, and it's like. This is fun, but like this isn't my bread and butter. When I played live music, it's like there's a comfort, like this yeah. calm, like I got this. Yeah. Like I was born to do this. Yep. Like there's no doubt in my mind. Even when you have a shitty show, oh and yeah, you're just beating yourself up, <laughs> you're still like that was fucking awesome. Been there. It's still been there awesome. so many times. <laughs> have you have you ever gotten angry at the end of a show where you like can't even enjoy it, and then somebody comes up and they're like, "What are you so pissed? It was an amazing." Yeah, show. I've definitely had those <laughs> nights. Oh, big time. You got any secrets for recovering from those? Because it's tough to get out of that headspace. I couldn't hear my fucking kick drum all yeah, night. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I feel that like kind of giddy, happy when somebody comes up to me and like tells me that I played really good or my band was really good. Like I, I definitely have that conversation with myself in my head. I'm like, you fucking sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it still makes you feel really good. And I think that's part of it too. You know, like I said, we're all as musicians, I think we're a, touch driven by ego some some of us more than others but no, like definitely there's that ego stroking that feels good yeah somehow we're all a little damaged inside and need the validation <laughs> dude totally <laughs> seriously i don't though. know what it is but it's true it's very true it's so true I, I don't know a single musician who 
doesn't feel that way or think that way sometimes. Exactly. There's that part of it. So I I love those times. Like even if there's four people in the crowd and somebody comes up to me and is like, I really enjoyed it. It makes me feel really good and excited. And even if I am punching my own face in my head, like (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, my favorite, though, is when I get off stage and I perceived it as a shitty show and people I know and trust walk up and they're like, dude, no, it was actually really good. Like, whatever <laughs> you think went wrong, none of us actually heard it. Right. Because they could see me getting pissed off during the set. They could see, like, my mood changing because they knew me personally. Yeah. And so they could be like, he's getting really irritated. Like, And I've even had somebody come up, like, sneak on stage and be like, dude... It's fine. No, I never get that because they know better. Like on stage, my adrenaline's at 11. You say chill out, you're getting kicked in the mouth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Get the fuck out of here. No, but they'll be like, dude, no, it's actually good. Like, like you basically, it's always almost what we're kind of alluding to here, guys. If you're listening to this is um, like, I don't want to blame the sound guy. Sometimes it's just a bad PA or. You know, fucking cable aren't isn't working. You know, whatever the situation may be, maybe something. A lot of times, it is just a really bad. I think sound you record. go into it now. The more you play out, the more you go into it thinking something's gonna fucking suck tonight, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to be prepared for that. Yeah, that's and that's what I was gonna get at. Like eventually, you these things stop bothering you altogether. But mm-hmm. these are all learning curves that drummers go through, and there's a period of time where you go through where. You know your shit so well. Like I've had, I've had shows where I can't hear any of my drums except for my snare drum. I'm going 100% off feel. All I can hear is my snare drum, one of the guitar players, or the only guitar player in certain circumstances, and the singer. And I just have to trust my preparation and do my job. And the whole time, like, again, people that really know me, they can see me, like, between songs just shaking my head like this fucking, (laughs) this is a shit show. And then they get off and they go, hey, man, like, it was actually really good, dude. Like, I know I could tell you were getting irritated up there. Like, and guys will hear me every once in a while when you try to, like, fucking, you're trying to yell over to the sound guy, like, hey, man, I can't hear my kick drums. Fucking turn my kick (laughs) drums up between songs, you know, like, turn my monitor up, dude. I can't. And you're just not getting cooperation from the sound guy. He's like, it's up all the way. It's like, dude, is it even plugged in then? Like, I dealt with that one a few times where it's like, I get done with my set and I pull my drums off stage. And when I'm coming back up to grab my last piece of equipment, I look over and I see he's like, no, dude, your monitor's up plenty loud. You're fucking deaf. And he's kind of being a dick. And I see the monitor's not even plugged in. And I'm like, that's why I couldn't fucking hear what was going on. But again, I've had guys come up on stage and they're like, dude, I know you're frustrated. Like you're getting a bad monitor mix. You can't hear this, but out there it sounds phenomenal. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, that's the only way I can fucking prevent that from like ruining my night. And then because even when I get off, people are like, dude, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. And it's so hard to take that seriously because almost no one will come up and be like, no, dude, you're right. It was a terrible show. Right. Well, nobody's ever going to say that to you. I did once. (laughs) I talked about it on the podcast. I did. (laughs) Uh, I've already talked about it on the podcast. Uh, I don't want to name her again. But if somebody's really curious, they can go back and find it. Um, <laughs> but basically, she got off stage and everyone was kissing her ass and she was shit faced and it was a horrible show. Oh. And she came up to me, knowing me personally as a peer, and she's like, hey, how was it? Because she, she was like, no, it was bad. It was bad. And everyone's like, it was great. It was great. 
And she came up to me and she's like, how was it? And I was like, and I was like, it was not your best night. (laughs) And she looked at me like, what? And I was like, it wasn't your best night. Like you've had better nights. (laughs) Fucking people lit me up. I almost got kicked out of the venue that night. Like it went as bad as it could. And then she called me the next day and she's like, dude, thank you. She's like, you were the only one who was honest with me. I watched the tape that we were, we record every show. I watched the tape and no, it was bad. Like (laughs) she's like, I need to, I need to make sure I'm not like drunk before i go on and i was like yep those anytime happen. anytime hun give me a call i'll give you honest <laughs> advice anytime like i'm not gonna blow because that's what i want if i'm that performer yeah. tell me it sucks. yeah don't blow smoke up my ass that doesn't help me it's also hard to you know going along with that ego thing it can get hard to take criticism at that point so i think that's where there's also tiptoeing that fine line of you suck ass and yeah it was really great you know (laughs) yeah luckily i've never had that i've never had where i came off i've never here's one here's one i'll ask you (laughs) here's one i'll ask you have you ever had a perfect show i feel like i've had some shows that i would call perfect even if there was still tiny mistakes really i cannot say that I can tell you that I've never walked off stage happy with a performance. I feel like there's, I, I can't say there's a ton of times, but I can think of some times where I felt really fucking good and I'm like, I'm doing really fucking good. And yeah, I did walk off. I would agree with that. I've walked off like I felt good about that one. Right. But it never was like, that was my A game. Because I always feel like I, there was something I fucked up quite badly somewhere but again i was really like we talked earlier going back to what we said like i was really good at covering up those mistakes right you know my stick broke in this part like my fucking kick drum broke at the end of this song or not broke but the fucking the double pedal fell apart and i'm fucking rocking one kick drum at the end of this trying to just on one fucking foot which that happened so which like i knew i was able to pull off you know it's like i know that sounded right because i can hear it and feel it like so i'm like it technically was fine but like there's just, I can never be, I'm like, I'm, and it's not just the drumming either. I noticed this in my life. Like I lack contentment and I was like, no, nah, it could have been better. And like, <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah. I can't help it. I really can't. I think that's a musician trait, an artist trait often, not even just musician. I feel like artists in general. Yeah. We all have this terribly negative mindset <laughs> that just we are our looms. worst enemies man we really are we really are like if you if you're trying to make a musician feel bad by trolling on trolling them online they trust already me they've already said that enough. to themselves yeah. whatever you can think of they've also said that to themselves <laughs> which is hilarious because like i don't think people really realize that like we're going back and forth almost contradicting ourselves like we just got done saying like don't blow smoke up my ass and tell me it was great because that doesn't help me but at the same time, don't it's tell like, me I'm bad either. Yeah, don't tell us we're a piece of shit because we are already beating ourselves up enough. You're kind of our coaches. Yeah. It is, you're our fans and our coaches at the same time. Yep. Like, hold us accountable when we didn't fucking. But don't be a dick. Yeah, like, we're fragile people. <laughs> like you say something we mean are. enough, we'll fucking think it's true and we'll go cry. We we'll are. cry ourselves. I don't care how badass that dude looks in that metal band. You say something mean enough, he He's will go crying. home in tears. Yep. <laughs> Just stop being so mean to us, guys. <laughs> I'm already getting some of that shit on the podcast, too. 
which is fine. Like, I know I suck at this. I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, that's just, let's just be honest. It's not like being a musician. I've done a podcast, so this is interesting for me also. Well, thank you for doing it. I'm excited to have you on. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this because we, we like, we never broke down or anything, but we were always cool and we had a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. And it was just one of those weird ass things because like it's one of it's got to be a drummer thing because you're you're sitting up there hidden behind your drum set because I knew you for a long time and I didn't realize Newman was in Fool Fighters so I knew he was in in the morning but I didn't know you were in in the morning like I had no idea all of these <laughs> things were connected there because I had seen both bands live right. And like the music scene, I'm like, how small, did I? Though. How did I see Fool Fighters and not recognize Newman? He must have been out, and somebody filled in for him. No, like, that didn't happen until um, we got a new guitar player a while ago. I don't think he I'm ever so missed a show. I'm so confused. Or I was shit faced, and maybe you guys like <laughs> were like done or something. Like I don't fucking know. That could be very real. Yeah, Fool Fighters didn't get. Uh, Eric's been with us for just over two years now. I'm such an idiot. I'm sorry, guys. Um, do you have any gigs lined up? No. None? Nothing. God, we have that, that radio show. It's, it sucks. It sucks so bad. Do you guys book yourselves? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like Natalie does mo- all the booking for herself, and some of it's acoustic gigs by herself, and then some of it's full band. Well, the original but- stuff, you're fucked. But yeah. the cover stuff, the, you can still get some gigs yeah, doing the, the cover stuff right now. The cover stuff, I mean, full, well, I had my surgery, so I kind of had to take some time oh, off Oh, yeah, from that's that. right. Yeah. So I'm mostly recovered from that. I haven't rehearsed or played. So I know we kind of talked about this before the podcast, and we don't have to go into extreme detail, but people are going to be pissed if I don't ask you to elaborate on that. So you had ear surgery yes because you had a bursted eardrum yes what the fuck happened how did this happen um so basically like six ish years ago i got super sick uh it was a flu turned into a cold turned into a sinus infection that just went way out of control and i literally lost my entire eardrum had blood pouring out of my head for a week, and it was really. What do you mean you lost your eardrum? My whole like it dissolved. My whole eardrum was gone. Like it ruptured, but it ruptured entirely. Like ruptures are not wow. uncommon. Um, sometimes infections get there, and most of the time it'll rupture and then it'll heal by itself. But mine was so severe, like my whole eardrum was literally gone. I, how does that happen? Just uh, pressure, mostly. On the inside? On the inside. Pressing out? I am not actually sure about that. I'm not sure if it goes out to in or in to out. It's got to be out to in to out, I right? I am not sure th- how that works <laughs> exactly. It's got to be. Something. Because otherwise it'd just come out of your ear. Right. But I had, yeah, I bled like constantly out of my ear for a week. It was horrible. That's hot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was real hot. The ladies flocked. I was like, "Hey, baby, chicks do dig blood." 
<laughs> chicks do dig blood. It's kind of creepy, but let's be honest. So I um, had a surgery back then that was, they took a piece of my scalp. And, and this was six years ago. This, this was six years ago. So Fuck. they took a piece of my scalp, skin grafted that where my eardrum should be. And then probably three, four months ago, um, I had So what, some, did they take something out of your scalp like the size of a pencil eraser? Ew. Like it's super small, tiny, yeah. Like, like when my head's more shaved, you can see like a scar. And what are they like, like? You got like seven layers of skin. So what do they I, thin that out? I don't know. You didn't ask <laughs> any questions. I would have wanted to know all of this shit. I was just like, okay, you're gonna take my scalp. Just that's, fix me. That's cool. I'm like, yeah, basically, just please make it stop hurting. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Even after it had ruptured. Uh, yeah. I, for that, like, next... What is the pain like? I've broken bones and been able to get up and walk it off, in a sense. And this made me wake up and cry. What was the, <laughs> what was the pain like? It like, describe it. like somebody was sticking a knife that was on fire inside of my head and twisting it. Like, it was horrible and it like with the way the this is gonna get i guess graphic the way that it was pulling out of my head was probably the most disturbing thing like i had to sleep with a towel on my pillow i had to put a cotton ball in there and i was changing it out every 20 minutes because it would just start leaking like it was fucking blood blood like blood and ear goop sometimes like just fucking bad wild really bad and so you originally got this surgery. How long was the initial recovery when it was like six years ago it's, that this well, It was the same. I essentially just had the same surgery. So basically what happened, it opened back up um, a few months ago, and I don't know how it happened. I had gone to a cabin and jumped in a lake and got a bunch of water in there, and I kept feeling weird. I couldn't get the water out. So do you, do you have tubes in your ears? I no, not right now. I have had tubes a lot of times, five times before, during, or no. Since when I this was shit. like no, when I was like a kid, like the last time I had them, I was in fifth grade. Because that's that's yeah, because that's the only time I've ever heard of anything like this. Yeah, when we were kids, certain kids had to have tubes put in their ears because when you're younger, uh, it's really common in infants because your eustachian tubes aren't developed, and that's where like fluid drains. And stuff like that. And a lot of infants, they're not developed. So fluid gets backed up in the ear. And, like, that's a really common thing. And mine don't work properly anyways. So that's why I've, like, been really prone to infections and stuff like that um, throughout my life. But So what made it flare up this time? You're not 100% I'm, sure. I'm not sure. You I think it was the lake I think thing. it was the lake. I jumped in the water, got a bunch of water in there and it was super painful and then I couldn't get it out and then it started to like really hurt and like I think there's an infection. How long did it take right away or was it like a couple days later? Uh, I mean I tried to let it go for a few days because I'm like well there's probably just water in my head and needs to get out and then it wouldn't come out and then I went and got seen at a minute clinic and they told me it was infected got antibiotics and drops and the second time I put the drops in I it was painful it was like dropping liquid fire into my head like it hurt really bad and I'm like something's wrong 
I tried to let it go another couple days, and I'm like, something's something's wrong here. So I finally called the ENT and went in and got it seen, and I opened back up as soon as she ENT is ear, nose, and throat specialist. Yeah, that's fucking that's wild. She said my um, it's really bizarre because she said normally like get a little closer to that mic. Ah, normally with a rupture, it like pokes through, but mine this time was kind of like a flap. Uh, but it's right over like where my bones are, which is uh, really dangerous. So that's why she said I need to get it fixed right away. So this time they fixed my eardrum with pig skin. So now my eardrum is part my own scalp and part pig skin. You're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking weirdo now. <laughs> that's awesome. You're like uh you're like the first step towards superheroes. Yes. I'm so metal. Pig chick. Pig pig ear. It'll be... <laughs> it's really bizarre. The initial plan they had told me was to take a piece of my ear cartilage. Um, right. But apparently the pig skin is more pliable and sure. is a bit more like the tissue there. So they decided to try that. Did they give you any advice as to how to prevent this in between these ordeals? No. Like earplugs when you go in the water? I mean, I think anything? I'm going to start doing that now. Um, so even after my last surgery, I've had tubes so many times that I have a bunch of scar tissue. Sure. So essentially, even when I had that last surgery, there was a touch of it where it didn't close. Like I still had a tiny, tiny, tiny hole. Holy fuck. Um, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen again because I think that's partially why this sure. happened there was that there's opening. enough shit getting in there and, yep. but and not then, enough to get out yep that's so fucking weird how that does that i got cauliflower ear and so i've been trying to figure out like how it actually happens you know i've been looking right. into that shit and it, basically blood gets in there somehow like more than it should or um it doesn't get out as fast as it should. Right. And it just sits there and sits there and sits there and then eventually the blood coagulates and hardens. Ooh. And you just it's a giant fucking hardened blood clot sitting Yikes. in my ear and it's like if if you squeeze it, like here I'll show you. Like, can you see that? Oh, that's crazy. Like, like my regular ear. <laughs> and then the collar here, squeeze it. Dude, it's weird. Like thick and it's like rock hard. That's crazy. Yeah, I could have it removed, but your ear? No, the oh, the blood <laughs> I was like, there. they have a way to remove it and <laughs> just, fix it surgically. Just but... chop your ear off. No, the thing is, is now it's a weapon. If I'm ever in a fight and I'm like wrestling somebody, I can just grind my ear into their <laughs> eye socket. It's just another <laughs> weapon. Yeah, I learned that from a UFC fighter. I was listening to him <laughs> on his podcast. He's like, yeah, fuck that. I just grind that shit into someone's face. And it's like, God, I was like, that is genius. Yeah, fuck it. We're keeping Why not? it. It, it it does get uncomfortable though. Yeah, you gotta pee. Go yeah. for it. Um, I will try to entertain people. Uh if you guys like the podcast, I appreciate it so much. Um, if you guys want to follow my social media, go to Jared Singer Live at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Right now, I really don't do much on there. Pretty much just kind of give people a heads up about the podcast and stuff like that. There will be more music updates eventually as we get a little bit more shit together. Um, also, I hear you. I understand that I interrupt my guests too much. And uh, I get it. But uh, 
I'm working on it. So noted, guys. I got it. And also, I do not check my friend requests. And if you guys are messaging me to either get on the podcast or adding me as a friend on my personal Facebook page, I do not check those message requests. Um, I do not check my... I see every once in a while a notification that I've got a friend request. I don't do that. Um, The easiest thing, the smartest thing to do is to go to Jared Singer Live on Facebook and hit me up that way. Um, You could message me on there if you want to come on the podcast. Um, I do respond to there. And then, um, same thing, you can just follow me there and get the updates. The personal Facebook page is literally just for my close personal friends so I can stay updated on their fucking shows and stuff like that. And Every once in a while, I'll like see the joke or something on there, but <clears throat> there's really not a huge reason to follow me on social media yet. But if you guys support, you want to do all that kind of shit, <clears throat> go for it. I appreciate it. The biggest thing is, is like, subscribe, and share to this right now. About to actually hit that hundo subs. That hundo subs, baby. Which people keep asking me why I keep mentioning 100 subs. Like, why does that matter? Um, It's pretty simple. Um, I keep saying I need it because that's when I get my own URL. People apparently don't know what a fucking URL is. So um, that's so I can, like, literally have YouTube.com slash the Jared Singer extravaganza address. Um, whereas right now, if you look at the top of the page, it's YouTube.com slash chaos basically um so yeah that's why we got to get to 100 subs they make it a bracket we got to hit um i'll also take this chance to plug my boy john wheeler go over and look up either down below on my channel in the featured channel section or just do a youtube search the l chemical cocktail lounge um uh, yeah, the Alchemical Cocktail Lounge, that's all you gotta know. Um, he's got a few shows on there. We're trying to get him to 100 subs as well. Um, and then subscribe to Lee. Uh, her YouTube channel is down below as well. She's actually, what are you at, like 95? 97, something like that? But you already have your fucking URL, so you don't need that shit. I guess. I don't. She just needs, she, she didn't need anything. But I just... need to start doing more videos is what I need. I <clears throat> was doing that all the time back in the day, and... We were talking earlier, I got a GoPro, Yeah, <laughs> and now yep. it's too fancy for the equipment I have. Yep. <laughs> so I, like, I've done one video, Natalie got, uh, helped me edit a video a while ago, and that's all I've done, but I got a few other covers, like, ready to go, so. That we, that, let's just talk about that now, then. Um, that's, like, a perfect fucking transition. So one of the things you did coming out of all the projects you've done. One of the things that I think is really smart and I think more musicians need to do is figure out a way to brand and monetize themselves. So you do lessons and shit, but you also do cover videos, drum cover videos, which are extremely popular. Um, very cool to watch. Um, maybe if you're just a regular music fan, it's not something you'd be interested in, but if you're a drummer, you definitely watch drum cover videos. Like it's inevitable. You've got your favorite cover people out there. Um, some names that are known are guys like Jared Vine or Jared. Yeah, Jared Vines. He's funny. Yeah, that guy. Um, he. I mean, th- there's plenty of people out there. You also do that. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's YouTube.com/slash ITM Drummer. Yep. That's what your YouTube page is. You're, right. We're gonna have to change that. You know that, right? <laughs> we gotta we gotta change the customization of that. I, it's like, got to be your page. It says Lee Underwood at the top, but the yeah. URL is ITM Drummer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was true at one point. 
Technically. Technically. I just, I, I don't know. I haven't done much with that stuff lately, and I think it was the... I'm sure we can change it. Yeah. I you mean, might have I'd, to get to 100 subs to change it. I'd now. really like to do more with that, and I think living in this house, um, like we were talking about earlier, it's going to make me play more. I think that's going to greatly improve my chops. Like, Let me ask you a silly question. You mentioned... You're not the techiest person on the video side of things. No. Neither am I. Um, would you be willing, if one of the listeners out there and they're like interested in drum lessons, would you be interested in exchanging drum lessons if they could hook you up and teach you how to fix your your GoPro problem? Yes. And get it all done. I would. There you go, guys. If you want a couple of free drum lessons in exchange for teaching Lee how to get her Teach fucking... me not to be a dum-dum <clears throat> with technology. Well, and you because you had them down, and then you upgraded your camera, yeah. and now every once in a while you were saying it like like halfway through the song it'll off-sync? Is it, is it when you like, are you doing different angles? Explain this to me. No, it's literally staying in one spot. I even had this, like, we were talking about Windows Movie Maker earlier. That's all I was using. I had one of those, do you remember those Alesis video tracks? From way back in the day. No, I don't. But it I do remember the old Alesis machine. It was like a shitty little, at the time it was not that bad, but it was like a shitty little handheld audio video recorder. It actually had two little mics no shit. coming off of it. And a and, camera? And a camera. And that's how I recorded like all of my old videos. So I did that. I uploaded the MP3 and into just Windows muted Movie yourself. Maker. And then just muted yourself. I would just play the drum, like play the audio from my video over the mp3 oh gotcha and line it up that way and then just sort of mix the yeah. levels so it sounded right and then i had a newer nicer computer at the time and i think that worked pretty streamlessly <laughs> streamlessly streamlessly or <laughs> seamlessly seamlessly streamlessly that's we're, a new word <laughs> we're in the new coining it we're in the new era Streamless. Streamlessly. That's beautiful. I'm going to see if I can pull this I know this where up. I was going with that. Um, but then, yeah, I had lost that computer and got out of the living situation I was in where I didn't have like access to play drums in my own home anymore. Do you still have the Alesis recorder? Um, I do. <laughs> I do still have it. So You just don't want to go back to it because you spent all this money on the scope. No, Natalie got it for me for Christmas last year. Same thing. Um, yeah, you have something much nicer you want to figure out how to use it. I right? mean, man, it had been years since I had tried to use that video track, and then I tried to use it again probably two years ago. And the one that I have is so old, it would like stop filming in the middle, or I would go back and watch the video I would recorded, and it would play like the first ten seconds and then just freeze really? the rest of the time, and it just looked shitty. It was kind of low quality. Like if it's even a little bit dark, it started to get grainy. And ah, lighting is key. Lighting is, is so big. I still don't have the podcast lit properly. I'm doing the best I can, but. I gotta. I'm gonna remodel this whole thing soon. Actually, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make it much better. Which I think this was definitely a good enough starting point, though. I thought this was a garage. Based when you were watching it, one, yeah, like the. That's cool. The I'm little, cool with that. Yeah, cool with that. It looked like a garage. That doesn't sound like a compliment, but I'm taking it that way. I would say the it's fact an that insult I've, either. It just right. looks like a different 
dwelling. Basically, the fact that it doesn't look like it's in my basement is cool. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I mean. Like that's why I'm taking it as a compliment because I didn't want it to look like it was just a spot in my basement. Right. But like, and then over on this side of the curtain, um, I actually have my jam space. So like, oh, there you go. My drum set and like the amps and everything is. So like when we rehearse, if you want to come over sometime, maybe next time you do the podcast, come over a little early if you can. Maybe we won't do it on a work night. And uh, yeah, fucking. There's at least a curtain here, though. It looks like closed off, and like it's in a room. It doesn't look like a shitty garage, right? Like, or oh, this or guy. a shitty basement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was my biggest thing because, yeah. like, I t- I did a couple test runs of the podcast and watched them back, and I was like, man, I gotta figure mm-hmm. something out. And me and my <laughs> wife went out two nights before episode one and bought all this fabric and the dowels and everything, and figured out a way to engineer this whole thing and like make it a room. And uh, one thing we didn't see coming that ended up working out really well is it gets really cold down here in the winter. So we've got a couple different heaters um, and it sort of helps keep the, the heat in a little bit. Yeah. At least it makes it cozier. In yeah. here. But uh, guess who guess who my roommate is? You remember Kevin? Sullivan? Kevin? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. He's upstairs right now <laughs> studying. But uh, I was going to say next time you come on the podcast, maybe come a little early. Kevin's bass rig is down here. He's got the thunderous oh, uh, Mark bass. Yeah. The big ass yep. Mark bass rig from the Tyrants. Yep. He's got that down here. I got my Thomas Star Classic kit down here. Remember how much we used to talk mm. about our love of Thomas mm-hmm. Star Classics? I mean, this bitch has got a Tama tattoo, so let's not even front who loves oh. Tama more. Um, it was like kind of in line with my Portnoy tattoo. Right. Though. I, uh, I, but do you play Iron Cobras as well? Mm hmm. Okay, see, I play Iron Cobras, but I use the DW beaters. I, I need that extra mass in order to get the rhythm right. I am the same. So I had a customer. Oh, shit. Um, you use the 5,000 beaters? I don't use the DW beaters, but I like the weight. Mm. Um, I oh, had, I see what you're saying. I had started wanting a heavier beater, and there's this kind of weird dude who's coming to all the shops that I've worked at all the years. Um who I had had that conversation with him one time. I'm like, man, like... I think I'd really like some heavier beaters and we were talking different beater options and he um, brought in for me at Christmas time a pair of those Danmar skateboard wheel beaters. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought they were going to be stupid. I was like, I don't know about this, man. This Okay, like I'll try them. They and literally look like skateboard wheels. They are I know skateboard wheels, yeah. And I tried them and I fucking love them. Sick. But... They absolutely annihilate heads. Of course. Like, I literally started having to put, like, three patches on my right side. Oh, no shit. Like, they destroy heads. Wow. So I kind of backed off of those for a while. And then a customer at Clash um, came in, and he had ordered some of those. What are they called? Oh, man. They're trick dead blow beaters. Um, and they're metal, but hmm. they're like kind of rounded on the no face. Um, and he was talking to me about them because I'm like, oh, these like seem kind of interesting. And he was super fucking cool. Like as we were talking about them and like I told him about my skateboard wheel beaters and he like gave me one of the beaters that he ordered. Really? And he's like, you can just try this. He's like, I have a bunch of others. I just wanted some more for other pedals and like gave me one to try. And I fucking love them, and I actually want to order some myself. Gotcha. Like, okay. 
it has that mass. It has that little extra slap too. Like yep. felt started getting a little too soft. I don't like click, but I want a little bit of. Yeah, I want to. I always say I want to. I want it to sound like I'm in a Rocky movie and I'm in the freezer and I'm punching that slab of meat, <laughs> dude. Yes, you feel me on that. Yes. That's what I want. It's yep. not a click. No, not it's a, a click. It's a. It's a. It's a slap, but mm-hmm. not. It's got. It's got. But meat not a behind dead it. slap. Like, yeah. 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 There's a. Yep. There's. It's the hardest thing to try to explain to somebody really when they is. don't know what you're talking about yeah. already. Like, I want to sound like I'm in the Rocky movie, in the freezer, <laughs> punching the cow or the pig or whatever he's, that sound. That's what you're looking yeah. for. Because there's something about it that cuts through the mix. And then if you've got, like, a nice size kick drum, a standard size kick drum, and you, you like, don't over-blanket it, you get enough boom and percussion from the shell, but you get that slap that yeah. we're talking about on the front side. And you just get this amazing kick tone that cuts through the mix. And it just sounds great when a whole band is playing. It yeah. just people are like, God damn, your drums sound good. And it's but they don't necessarily let me ask you this. Do you subscribe? Jacob Muley taught me something when we all work together. And I took it to an extreme. But when I told him about this, he was like, I think you've gone too far with this idea. <laughs> until he seen us live and he was like dude as long as you can play that is one of the best sounding kits i've ever heard mic'd up so it's the it's the star classic that's in the room you actually have seen that kit multiple times yeah um i brought it into the shop a couple times you helped me fit it for drum heads when i didn't know what i was doing like you guys all met me when i just started playing drums that's the best part of this whole thing i actually got good and like the band did well and like that's the hilarious part of this podcast so many people think like like i was like the bands were always doing well. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, no. There was a period of time not. where I was really bad at this <laughs> instrument and we were like out doing shit and people were like, this guy's playing drums. Like he doesn't even know what these things are called. <laughs> like, oh God, it was hilarious. But anyways, um, we, uh, we had, I was talking, what was I fucking talking about? God, I'm not even drinking. I swear to God, stopping drinking for even just a few days has fucked my brain. <laughs> I'm not even drunk and I, I'm losing my train of thought. What were we just talking about? Drums, you playing in your band. But we were talking about like drum tone and shit. Star Classic, your bass drum. Yeah. What the fuck was the point though? Christ. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Jake Muley taught me something about like how to do this, right? And he was like, here's the secret. You're not actually trying to get your drums to sound great when you're playing by yourself. You want them to sound great when you're mic'd up and playing live because we were in a live band. So right. he taught me some principles how to do that, and I took it to the extreme. So like when people play my drum set, they're like, dude, what the fuck did you do to this thing? So like my, my tom heads are super loose. Like you're not getting a lot of bounce because <laughs> I use those double coated. Uh, I think they're the the EC twos. Yeah, with the ring. With, yeah, and the yep. gel in them. Because I again, I get this matted thump instead of a boom. I hate that boom. So I just muted everything, and it sounds kind of shitty when you play the kit by itself. People are like, dude, that shit doesn't even sound very good, man. I was like, wait till the whole band kicks in. Yeah, sure as shit. Every fucking time I do it, they're like, all right, you're right. That sounds amazing. I... And it's because it, it's this principle we have called cut through the mix. Get it to sound good when everyone's playing. I hate that deadness, too. That's like, 
oh, I want my drums. Like, I don't want them to ring, but I want them to sing. Like, there's a difference. Do you tune your drums to a key? No. I have never gotten, no, I've never gotten that picky with it. Like, I know when they sound good. I know when they're at their prime sort of thing. But no, I've I've never been a sit down and tune to an actual tuner sort of person. I actually had an old coworker of mine uh, when I worked at Guitar Center in Dallas that taught me how to tune. That dude could make sound percussion kits <laughs> sound like fucking DWs. Like, Remember Jingle was like yeah, that? Yeah, man. But Jingle could get any drum kit to sound phenomenal. Yeah, he really could. And that my old coworker was exactly like that, and he's the one, like every time a new drum set came in, if it was dead over in the guitar section, um, he would come over and would like show me how to tune, and it was like the biggest trick that he taught me was the little baby turns. And I think every drummer makes this mistake of when you your say your drum's too low and you want it a little higher, you do like a quarter turn all the way around, and then it's like doing like yep. Yep. there's that constant up and down. So he's the one that really taught me about like fine turns, like barely fucking turn that key. And That's why I love the 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 tuning key, mm-hmm. the nice one. Where you do turn the dial to attention. The torque key. The torque key. Yeah. The torque. Yeah, I love that thing because it takes all the thinking out of it, and you can do that. Right. You can fucking set it so fine to where it's like you barely move this thing yep. and click, and then do the next one, click, yep. and sure as shit, you get all the way. You do it right. You get across the drum, and boom! It's just exactly yep. what you want. I've never actually used one of those. I fucking love it, especially live. You know, because sometimes shit just doesn't work right. You know, yeah. you fucking pull your drums out of the cold trailer, things yeah. loosen up, all of a sudden you're fucking playing. My you see floor something. toms particularly. What the fuck get is going that on? Buzzy, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's always this for me. It's always my the bottom. My, yeah, yep. On all the drums, it's always the bottom the side. Green. I mean, it still happens on the top, but the bottom are like fucking notorious. Mm-hmm. I started using the the tuning locks, the little pieces of shit plastic. I need to use those on my Supra. They're great live. That's what I use them for. Is I use that torque key and I use the fucking pegs and or the 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 little plastic squares. And as soon as I get it sounding good, I put it on there because I'm like I don't give a fuck how much this thing warms up or gets cold. You know, like remember when we used to play at venues and they make before you go on if you're not opening and it's not big enough to backline, you had to put your gear on oh, the side of the stage yeah. and they'd put you next to the door yep. oh, in yeah. the middle of the winter. Mm-hmm. I have a drum set sitting at room temperature. Next to the loading door where people open and sub-zero weather <laughs> is coming in and blasting my drum set every 15 yeah. minutes. That is where those fucking tuning locks yep. saved my ass because it didn't matter. The peg isn't turning. I get that a lot because I am kind of a 90% rim shot player unless I'm playing something like intricate. I am on that rim. So like... Yeah. Especially on my Supra and those are kind of notorious for detuning anyways. Right where I'm hitting... That tension rod comes loose really fast, and I've What's actually the super broken. Kit? What's that? What's the super kit? The superphonic. What the fuck? The is Ludwig that? snare. It's the most. Oh, yeah. every I... drummer's got to have one, man. Every drummer. How much is that snare? Uh four hundred ish. That's actually not too bad. No, like used, you can find them four hundred ish. I think they're six, seven new. Um, those are. That's been... not bad. I paid three for my Star Classic. I think it's. Bubinga or yeah. it's Birch Bubinga. I can't remember. I gotta look at it again. I've got I know a, it's Bubinga. I just I've got remember. an SLP Bubinga that I really like. 
I actually just busted that thing out again recently. I got a Tama Brass Starphonic um, a couple years ago, and that's been my favorite snare, but I cannot use it for everything because it's loud. Didn't you have, like, one of the last Bubinga Tama Star Classic kick? I have the last Birch. That's what it was. Yep, so I have the last, All last, Birch last kit. year they did the 100% Birch Star Classic, and that is my baby. Because you can still get a Birch Bubinga <clears throat> Star Classic. They actually but you... stopped making those. Okay, so now they stop making them all, um, and now it's maple only. I think because they stopped making birch first, and then it was birch bubinga. Something happened with bubinga talking about woods, you guys. Where you can't, I don't know if you can't order it from specific countries or something. There's some weird thing with bubinga, but they stopped making the birch bubinga. Now it's birch walnut. And yep. I don't even know. I think in the higher end, like the Star Series, that they still do the Babinga. But those kits are yeah. There's some weird wood. There's something wood wars going on with imports of rare woods and like. But I do have an a Babinga snare, like an all Babinga snare, the SLP. I think that's what I got. That thing is nice. Not the man. SLP, but I think it's an all Babinga snare. Oh. And if <sighs> it was three hundred ish bucks, I think it is the SLP because that's what what i have is that still the the star classic no because it is it is oh it's a star classic yeah i can just grab it real quick hold on (laughs) you're the fucking expert i barely know i love talking drums man i know and i need to get back into like my gear knowledge because being away from gc i've forgotten so much i remember the principles of how to like figure out if gear is good or not But just in the fucking 10 years I've been gone, the industry and like things have changed oh, yeah. like so much. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, oh, Fender's been doing that run for three years yeah. now. And I'm like, I've never even fucking known this. There's certain stuff I don't have as much knowledge of anymore, but I'm in my, I think, 13th year of music retail. So I've been around it for quite a while. Oh, yeah. That's the Birch Bubinga. Yep. I remember that. You need new wires, dude. Yeah, that's what I said. It just broke. I swear to God, it happened when the wire... It was like one popped. One of those wires popped, and I was like... This was like the first run of this drum that they did. I remember when these came to GC. Yeah. (laughs) That, and the thing is, is that nice drums, that dude. fucking snare rocks. It does. They're and nice. then I picked up the wrong head. I like the one with that the little portholes in it. Oh, the dry. Yeah, yep. the HD dry. Oh, and then I tune that fucker like, like a fucking. Like a drum head. <laughs> I like. I, I tutton it like like a hand drum. You know, like when they took the old skin animal skin. Yeah. Just, I mean, it was like. That's what, that's how I like to have that top snare head. I like more open. I Do like you? yeah, I like that ring. I love that ring. The ping. I the love boing. it. Oh, gotta have it. I There's been a couple of times I've recorded and the engineer's been like, Do you want me to take that ring out of your snare? I'm like, fuck. I will no, fire you, dude. Bitch. Yeah. No. <laughs> Leave it. I wanna hear boing. I'm cool with it when other people have it. I'm saying in my own music. Yeah. When I'm playing drums, if there's any ring out like that. I can't concentrate on anything else. Yeah. All I can hear is that fucking ring, and it drives me nuts. It's such a personal thing, and that that's 
that's always been a thing with drums. It's personal. Like, yep. And you should also change your drum tone based on the band you're in, too. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been... I, I get it, but I also don't know how much I believe in that. I guess if I had more kits, I'd be able to do that a little bit easier. But I feel like when I got them sounding good into where I want... I don't know. I, I think about that sort of stuff, though, like with my country band... I know I don't need to be as loud, and I've actually yep. really wanted to invest in like a small kit, sure, because I don't need, I don't need that emphasis right. quite as much. It doesn't need to be there. Like I need yeah. to be present, but I also don't need to be overbearing the band. So, and you may not need to necessarily completely change out, um, the entire kit. Um, I know a lot of drummers that I really love and respect that switch out the cymbal set and the snare drum. Yeah, I definitely And then have. it's just a slight tuning difference yep. on the toms to change the tone, but really the heads stay the same, but they'll bust out a snare that, oh, I'm playing country tonight, grab everything, and they just grab a different cymbal bag and a different snare yeah. that night. That's and what I was saying with my uh, star phonic, that brass star phonic. Yeah. That I'm like, I can't take that out to a country. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just, it's not going to happen. I, I definitely, like, I feel that. It's with the symbols, like, I can't fucking afford to buy another set of the symbols that I want. Like, this shit's expensive, dude. Sticks, that's an easy sticks are what still catch me off guard because like yeah. i bought good enough gear to now it's like even my symbols i don't break symbols you buy really nice symbols thin symbols they don't break if you play them properly I they just don't break shit do I, you? i'm playing foo fighters stuff man i'm do you so do you hit your symbol in the center or do you side swipe i mean i side swipe but there's times where i know i'm excited and i'm not paying attention to my technique anymore yeah. and there's there's just those moments and i had to switch that's those moments that we live for yep, those yep. like oh man like this part of the song's happening like there's definitely i had to change my drum setup to avoid it because yeah. it was exactly what you said it was like i can do this all day in practice but when we start playing live Everything changes, yep. and I start hitting things harder and whatever, a little bit more wild. So I physically changed the spot yeah. where my symbol is. So where if I wanted to hit it in the sim in the center, it was actually uncomfortable way over here for me to do so. It was only comfortable, comfortable and natural for me to side swipe. Yeah. And instead of me trying to swipe on the right side like that, like a lot of dudes do that crash ride and get it to spin away from you, I learned to adjust it to where I had to hit it in front of me and it got a forward spin going the other way. Yeah. And these things, somebody is either fascinated by this discussion or they've turned it off and stopped listening. <laughs> but this is like a little inside baseball from, from some drummer shit. And this is, like you said earlier, it's all personal opinion, subjective, yeah. like from tuning your drums to how you set up your drums. But there is certain borderline biblical techniques that if you don't want to break symbols or sticks there's certain fundamental things you can try to do where the physics behind it will prevent these things but like 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 you're saying like it goes man. out the window when you're in a situation yeah when they, you're, uh, that adrenaline's going like it's just different yep. like i pay attention to that when i'm not doing that Yeah. but i know i'm beating the absolute piss out of those symbols like out of Wolf Fighters gigs especially, I think that's definitely been the, the demise of most of yep. my symbols. 
For me, it's still the sticks, though. The sticks are what sneaks up on me. They just, because, like, heads are pretty easy to, like, prepare for. Like, you learn which yes heads and no. last long. I mean, I've had lots of broken head situations on the stage. Where, where you just go through them? I've gone through. <sighs> See, some guys would ex- would argue that you should know, like, almost like your tires, like, your tire is needing to be replaced before it blows Yeah, out. but here's a situation. Like, we were just talking about those lug locks and the, my superphonic. Mm. Um, I remember breaking... I shouldn't bring my superphonic out to Fool Fighters gigs for this reason. Like, I don't do this anymore because of this one particular reason. I'm smashing. We were talking about how that one tension rod that always comes loose. Yeah. So then the head loosened enough. So, like, during the third or fourth song... I hit it and I popped the bottom ply of the head. Like it didn't go all the way through, mm. but I hit it and I'm like, something's wrong. You could hear it immediately. I could hear yeah. it immediately. And the more I like look through, I could start to see like a split underneath it. Yep. And God damn it. So there is like those little things that happen where it's like the head was fine. It's that it came untuned. It was loose. Have you ever gone through I... a head in a gig? Oh yeah. That did happen to me once. And... That was the most challenging thing to play through because, <laughs> yeah. like, it starts as a little rip on the side or wherever it happened in the middle or whatever. Like, it's usually in the middle where you hit most often is right. where, like, it happened. And then you try to just play, like, a little off center, and then it just slowly grows until, like, oh, God. And you you can't stop. No. You can't stop the band and be like, sorry, guys, my snare drum broke. Give me a minute. Like, you finish the song and then <laughs> yeah. be like, all right, dude, buy me three minutes. I either need to change my drum set or drum head or... <laughs> flip flip drums. I started bringing a backup snare with the Fools when we were doing, like, two, three-hour nights. You ever I, had to borrow one? Somebody, I haven't I use had to do snare? that, but I actually had to, like, help another drummer. We used to play with uh, an Alice in Change tribute band called Junkhead. And I like had a really good relationship with those guys. They had a progressive rock band that I actually played on an album with. I did some percussion work with yeah. them. Um, but the drummer in that band one time like broke a head on stage, and I remember him like looking at me, and his drum sounded weird, and I could see him going <laughs> like pointing down at his drum, like "What are you talking about?" And I like finally ran on stage and I saw his whole head was split. Yep. So I was like, all right, hang on, man. Like, and went and got my snare and switched it out, like, in the middle of us, like, conversating. That's <laughs> awesome. Save the day. Yeah. So I've had those. Because I've been that drummer and had to, like, dude, ask somebody if I can borrow their snare <laughs> yeah. to finish the set. Like, dude, my snare broke. Like, I'm unprepared for this, you know? Like, I switched my heads beforehand, but sometimes you just get a bad head. Yeah. Like, I've had that, too. You I've get a brand new head. You you rehearse the night before the gig to, to you know, right. stretch them out and get them ready. And then you show... And again, I think it's being a Minnesota musician, it, I, I think it's weather-related. Oh, the cold often has a lot to Yeah, do you're playing that. in a weird club. There's a draft yeah. that you're fucking pumped. So you're, <laughs> you're running at like 101 degrees <laughs> on pure adrenaline, so you don't even realize it's cold. But there's this super chill draft going right under your drum set that is like essentially like chilled... your fucking kit and you walk up and start banging on that snare drum and it just cracks it snares right or uh uh, yeah cracks it slices right across the snare drum head fucking brutal i feel like the worst 
equipment malfunction I ever had, like the most embarrassing. Um, I filled in with an 80s cover band called Anthem for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were doing. Shout out to John. Journey separate ways, which is literally kick drum the entire way through. Like that kick drum doesn't stop, and my fucking beater flew off. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you forgot to just tighten the front of it. I or don't something? know if I just didn't just tighten it down enough, or like something happened. Though, like my fucking beater flew off in that's a song hilarious. that's literally dun 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 the whole. The time. whole time do you have double kicks so could you at least switch to the left i didn't bring a double no! kick for no i didn't play a double so what kick did you for do, that just gig. kick your drum with your foot well obviously everybody turns around and looks at me and is like what are you doing and i'm like i don't physically have a beater like i went to my floor tom for a second insane. but i like motioned and the singer like finally caught on and he came and like snuck under there and put my beater back on and then it flew off like uh, yeah because he didn't tighten three it again. or four measures later yep. it was like the worst that is probably the same as mine it, it wasn't a beater but my my bar fell oh. off to my double pedal oh. so i'm sitting there trying to go and you're going and 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 all of a sudden like i see kevin look back at me and john looks back at me and i just i'm like and i just finished the song with half the kick beats that are supposed to be there as fast as i can go on my right and then finally i was just like we finished and i'm like dude i need a minute or two to fix this he bought me some time and then same thing I couldn't find at the time, I couldn't find my tuning key and I hadn't figured out the secret of the magnetic torque key. That's the other thing. So not only do I love the torque key for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, it's also magnetic. So when I'm playing live, it just goes on my floor tom on the outside lug sitting out there. And so I never hit it, but it's always there within reaching distance. It's I not stashed anywhere key. else. I have my pedal key. I use my pedal key. You know, the yeah. Iron Cobra's got the little hammer key. That's the yep. one that I try to just keep. I lost I that. also keep several <laughs> spares. I, I lost like, that. Really? Yep. Yep. That's why I have the magnetic one. because I really And I lost it on <laughs> stage, right? So, like, I was on stage. I was in a hurry. And fucking, I set it down because I didn't want to fucking try to bend it down and put it back in that clip. Because isn't it <laughs> under the pedal? It's to the uh, left. Oh, and it goes up and down on yeah. that one. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of the DW. The one DW where it's like, one's underneath. Yeah, yeah. And it like clips down like into that. the, that's so stupid. Um, yeah, or I lost it some other way, some organic way, and I fucking love that torque key. But anyways, I I hadn't figured out that little secret, and I couldn't find my regular tuning key, so I put the the bar back on my left pedal, and just tried to tighten that thing with my my hand, and I made it through the first song, but immediately at the end of it could feel it loosening up again. So I had to keep going down there and tightening it with my hand in between every song. And by the end, my fingers were so fucking raw from trying to tighten a squared (laughs) off screw. It was, it made it hard to play, but I learned that lesson. And you know, again, that's one of those things where it's like experience. You gotta, unless you listen to this stupid fucking podcast and you hear all these fucking life lessons that we've all had to live. It's not here. The recording's still going, so we're still good on the actual podcast. If I have to re-upload this, I want to see what just happened. Maybe it didn't. Maybe my shit just needed to fucking refresh. 
Looks like we're still going. That was weird. See, but that's why I have that little monitor sitting down there is just in case something does you can still see collapse. It. And that's also why we do the backup here. Yeah, I think is here's what I think happened is I think something happened with the frame rate. It dropped down to zero because I saw the big red box and then it it just basically canceled on the screen. But I love this snare sitting here now. It does like make home. it. Yeah, it does make it feel better. <laughs> I love. I love the wood, the natural it's wood. It's pretty, man. And then I got that old shitty Epiphone back there that I refuse <laughs> to get rid of because it's also natural wood. Can't see it now because it's behind the. I've the got old. an Epiphone in the crackle finish. Do you remember that at all? It's uglier than fuck, but it's. <laughs> I don't remember the crackle finish. Here. Let me find Yeah, I wonder what happened to the live stream. I don't really care because we're back up and running now. Oh, man, that that breaks my heart. Look at the, the upload rate right now. Oh, it switched already. It was at 5150. Oh, did you hear about EVH? Yeah, that's... Uh... He had a long, ongoing battle with cancer. Hopefully, we're not breaking the news to anybody. No. Hopefully, you found out about this earlier today. I mean, it's been It's too depressing for, for me to even talk about or even acknowledge or deal with right now. People hit me up out of the woodwork because they know how much I love Van Halen. Like, I've got several songs that we're covering for Van Halen in my cover list. That's a big loss in general for the music community, though. I mean, think about how influential that guy was. Like, that's huge. Yeah, it's uh. My mom was a an ER nurse and actually took care of Alex Van Halen in the hospital once. Oh no! In shit. like nineteen eighty four, eighty five. I don't even know if I was born yet. That's fucking crazy. Um, but said the whole band was actually in the ER. Uh, and they were all really cool. <laughs> This is what my guitar looks like. Oh, they called this crackle? Yeah. I remember this. I called it like the, I, I called it, I remember these. I called it the, they couldn't decide between alligator and snake skin, so they made <laughs> yeah. this skin. Yeah. That's what. That, this is like the finish that my guitar is to. I got that when I was like 14. And I remember my buddy and I going into Guitar Center and I wanted to buy a new guitar because all I had was like the Squire that we all started out on. Yeah. And I like, we saw those in the front and we were laughing at them. We're like, those are hideous and terrible. And then I went and played a bunch of things, didn't find anything that I liked. And then we went back. Look at that and, shit. Yeah. I want to bring up your channel before we forget. Because we've been going over two hours, so I don't know when you want to wrap it up. But I wanted to make sure that we get back to this because we were going to talk about this. I wanted to show some of these. And I think it's hilarious that I found your channel right away. And now this live broadcast is right there. And I don't know who the fuck is texting me right now. It but if might be me. Or is that you? No. I. That sounds like my phone. But... If you're watching this and you're fucking texting me right now, you know better. <laughs> I don't know who's doing it right now. I'm not checking my phone during a podcast. You fucking know better. <laughs> Seriously. Like, if you're texting me, that means you're a friend. If you're texting me because the you, you're trying to tell me that the live stream's down, it temporarily ended. Um, and we're already all over it. Is which, it back? Which one of these should we play? Oh, man. Because I shouldn't get flagged for this, even though it's their music, because it's you performing that music. You know what I mean? Well, would you like the Foo Fighters 
or Avatar? <laughs> you decide. You tell me. What do you? Well, because you I got the cover have, videos and shit. In I do have too, my right? cover videos. Who should we do this one? Modern day cowboy. Should we do this? I one? Fucking love that song, dude. Me too. You can do it. You know. You know. Okay, I got a drum cover for for you. A request. <laughs> just for please, just do this for me. I want you to do a cover of Jet City Woman. <laughs> Queensryche, man. Yes. Please, I love Queensryche. Will you, pre- will you I promise could, me? I could do that. I could definitely do that. Honestly, it's like it's not challenging. I just love that song. It's a great fucking. And song, I've searched uh, YouTube cover videos of people playing it because I just want to see. Like, there's a couple spots in there where I'm curious how he's pulling that right. off. I'm like, I can play it and I can get it to sound virtually identical but i'm not playing his kit so us as drummers we compensate and we cheat and we have to like, oh, play yeah, things a little differently yeah. yeah it's like okay i don't have four toms right so i can't do that i have two toms but i have two kick drums you know here or two kick pedals you know so it's like i can simulate this but i still want to like oh is he leading with his left yeah. and then so he can end up here i watch cover videos when i'm like stuck yeah. When I'm at a part where I'm like, I have no idea what's happening right here. That's when I'm like studying cover videos or live yep. videos to kind of pick that apart. Yeah, and I jump on it a little. Or I, and it's not me being stuck. It's I'm like, I know what I'm playing sounds fine, but I want to see how he actually does this. Yeah. And I go, oh, he's got three rack toms. Got it. Okay, so yep. he doesn't have to worry about this right arm way down here like I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how do I finish this fill and then get all the way back over to the symbol. Oh, I get it. He's got three giant rack toms that sound like my one floor. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay, so I'm never going to figure that out unless I set my kid up that exact way. There is like there is that difference. Yeah. And that's hard Carter to Beaufort is the out. that's that's where I discovered it is I was trying to learn Carter Beaufort drums from Dave Matthews band. And I couldn't figure out. It's good, man. There was just, I'm like, I'm getting it to sound right for the layman, but I can tell something's wrong. Right. What the fuck is going on? And I came back into the drum shop and I was talking about this with you guys because I was still, you know, I was getting a lot better really fast at drums, but I was still clearly the shittiest drummer in the building. <laughs> um, even, even shittier than the guys who like didn't play drums, <laughs> but they would come fuck around on the kit. Right. Even they were all better than me still. And I was bringing this up and I remember you guys were like, that's a little advanced for you to be jumping in. I'm like, that's how I learn though. Like I'm going straight to the most complicated shit and I figure out all that little shit on the way. And everyone's like, dude, you really shouldn't be doing this. Like learn this. And I was like, I fucking hate the Beatles. I'm not learning the Beatles. I'm not fucking playing fucking Ringo Starr's goddamn drums. Just stop. Like, and I got into fucking fool in the rain with you guys. Remember the, we were basically had like this secret challenge going around who could figure out how to play fool in the rain properly first yeah and the only guy who actually got it perfectly was ingle yeah i was gonna say jingle is a great drummer i think i think muley actually did too but i think muley got it first i eventually had it for about three months and then i quit religiously practicing it and i i still to this day can't play it properly tasty groove man i guarantee you to me personally i shouldn't say guarantee you to me personally it is the measure of your actual skill on drums like okay you can do all this other shit play fool in the rain correctly that's what i don't like about a lot of like i don't know i love metal but i don't like bands where it's 
constant blast beats the whole time. Right. And like, it's, it's not about speed to me. It's about, get that a little closer to you. it's about taste. Yep. That's this such a huge thing that I think it's thrown to the wind. Like I love technicality, but I love technicality with taste. Yep. Pick your spots. Pick your spots. There are certain times to do certain things. and We never played a show together, did we? Not when I was playing drums. Maybe before that in some other band I was in, maybe. I don't. I feel like we played one show together, and I feel like I can't even remember where it was. I feel like it was Club Underground. Might have been. That would make the most sense, because I had... I feel like we did one show. That would still make sense. But... Where I'm going with this is I would do the opposite of what you're saying. So I was in a rock band and I was like, I'm going to figure out a way to sneak a blast beat into this rock. Oh, music. I love doing that sort of shit where you and just I kind legit- of throw it in. Every yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I literally fun. did it. So I was playing a beat where it's like, dun, dun, kata, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? And then I came out of the break with a dun, but it was like for for a few of them it was a straight actual just and it was so fu- the way i put it in there it was literally a four count one two three four that's all i got because any longer than that did what not work enough that's so it's like technicality at the right spot i, I kind of did that spot for same it. sort of thing with a portentum song recently portentum, like, portentum. we just that's got kind of a cool name it is and it's a actually cool surprisingly name. not that hard to remember it's not portentum. you gotta get a really fucking <laughs> you gotta get a south american dude like a brazilian portentum. dude yeah with like a big like a who's the dude from uh no country for old uh javier bardem oh you gotta yeah, get him dude. you gotta get him to say portentum <laughs> It Boy, does have dead, a, a cool feel to it. We had a song like that, though, where I like just kind of the throw it in there once. I'm like, I want to try blasting at this one part just for like same thing, like a little small count. And yep. everybody was like, yeah. And that's the problem with a lot of metal. And I've talked about this with other drummers, like especially metal drummers don't know how to shuffle at all. They only have their one skill set. And same yeah. thing. You get into the country or the blues or the jazz scene. Those motherfuckers can't play double kick to save their life. They're like, fucking, what is this? Oh, my God. And then you get into, you start talking to drummers like Gensmer. And I should have gotten a little bit more into this with him last night. I apologize. I was having so much fun, guys. Um, I've gotten a lot of shit about that podcast last night. <laughs> I, I Here's the thing is the more fun I have, the worse of an interviewer I am. And the more I try to pay attention and worry about me being a good interviewer, the less fun I have and the less quality the podcast is. I, I know that doesn't seem like it should make any sense, but it is. <laughs> like, um, But Al Bourne talks about this. It's one of my tenants, and Gensmer clearly subscribes to this, is having a full deck. Yeah. So whether you're a metal drummer or not, motherfucker, learn how to play a blues yeah. shuffle in fucking five, six. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I like to play in all these different yep. styles of bands is that it can only make me better. 100%. And I can listen to things differently. And also, the like everything can be applied to other styles of music too, whether you realize it That's where it, it helped me not, the most. Is those things apply. Like having a solid pocket Mm-hmm. helps you be a better drummer all around if you have that basic understanding then there's that drive to make those more technical things better right. 
because you have that skill set. Yeah, and there's entire philosophies with the way that those other genres approach songwriting on your instrument. So, like, when you start understanding how blues is written from a drumming perspective, like using shuffles and different signatures and different, you know, beats and like the way like shuffles transfer from country to blues to jazz to polka, like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a technique and a theme that remains the same through all those. And then there's just a different expression and execution to change the genre of music. And then you, when you start seeing that you can go, Oh, okay. I'm going to try this idea in this metal song that I'm still going to play a metal part, but I'm going to approach it philosophically the way a polka player approaches their drums, like something in the way you're timing something, but you're not going to make it sound like a polka beat because you're going to do it all on the toms and make it sound like the craziest African tribal beat anyone's ever heard. Yeah. But you're still actually taking techniques and ideas from a shuffle that you learned in a blues or a polka beat and learning how to like reimagine that and put it into metal. And that's why we get into every musician will eventually come to the conclusion that there are no original ideas in music. Everything is being stolen from something else, including revolutionary game changing musicians like an Eddie Van Halen or a Jimi Hendrix or fucking whoever you want to bring up. Even they stole shit from something else is what they did though is exactly what we just talked about. They took an idea of a hypothetical polka drum beat and then figured out a way to make it metal as fuck and made it the standard in something they did. Because Eddie Van Halen, to wrap up the thing about you know him dying or whatever, I don't want to dwell on it too much. Um, he literally all of Van Halen's music is blues. Yeah, like same thing with the entire first Guns N' Roses album. Zeppelin, look at bands like Zeppelin, which blues, is pure, all blues, of its blues, pure blues. Yep, it's just not expressed like. No, it's not like occasionally, yes, but there's different swings and different right. feels on yeah. it. The progressions are all blues yep. pentatonic scales. The solos are all built around that shit. I like, think that's like my draw to progressive music is there's a little touch of everything involved in it and i really like that i like that, that there's that metal aspect there's a classical aspect to a lot of metal music and a lot of progressive music mm-hmm. there's blues there's jazz there's occasionally touches of country like there's a little bit of everything involved in there and i think that's really cool yeah that's my biggest draw. Yeah, it's been fucking with me on my songwriting because I used to have a very linear way that my style worked and my skill set worked, and I had refined that into like a writing formula for me. It was like I write a certain way, I perform a certain way, so I would be playing guitar riffs because the drum beats I were into were very upbeat, straightforward, even if they were slightly progressive with fancy shit in them, it still all flowed that way. Right. Well, I've been getting more and more into drumming and obscure rhythms and grooves and shit that I can't, it's very hard for me to be inspired by these new rhythms and then translate that into writing a catchy guitar riff within my current skill set. <laughs> so I'm realizing I, and I can't go backwards. You can't rewind the clock on stuff like this. So I'm figuring out, I'm realizing I literally have to change 
the way I play guitar, my style in order for me to write new music. Yeah. Because I'm bored with the way I was writing music rhythmically from a drumming perspective and I can't rewind that clock. I can't just turn back the dial. Now I understand why Metallica doesn't just write the fucking Injustice for All album <laughs> in Master. Why don't why don't they just go back to that sound? They <laughs> yeah, can't. They can't. They couldn't write another Master of Puppets if you had a gun to their head. No. Like give them all the drugs and booze <laughs> have their wives leave them have fucking their kid commit suicide it doesn't matter how tortured you try to make james hetfield he will never be in the same mindset skill set writing style everything he'll never write another master of puppets or into no. he can't and i used to be that musician that's what i'm getting at is i used to be the kid who's like dude i wish i would just like go back to this sound it's like dude that's not how it works <laughs> and i would have never known that even as a musician until I hit this specific writing wall and I was like, oh, got it. It's like because the grooves and things that are in my head, I'm physically that's not my style on how I write things. So right. I'm trying to like I'm like, got it. OK, it's going to I got to go back into the fucking rabbit hole. I mean, literally is what's probably going to have to happen is I'm going to have to go like rent a cabin. No fucking lie. I'm not joking. And take like two weeks, three weeks, go to northern Minnesota because that's all I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> If I could afford it, I'd go to Jamaica. But I got to go by myself. Like I'm even going to have to leave Cape behind and go, nope, I'm going to, it's going to be me and a guitar, not even a drum set. And it's going to be me being going up there with no possible distractions. There is no internet. So there is no me getting on Facebook and wasting six hours. There is no me. Oh, I'm going to wind down at the end of the night and I'm just going to watch, you know, some HBO and go to bed. It's like, no, you wake up and your only entertainment is writing music. And you do that until you're so physically and mentally exhausted. You fall asleep. <laughs> That's the only way I'm writing a new album after this. Cause and it's, and it's this drumming thing we're talking about, right. the shuffling, this like getting off that classic straightforward upbeat. Like for example, before the podcast started, we did our quick little dry run to make sure everything was working. And you looked at my logo, and as soon as the the intro music played for our dry run, you went, I could hear that music <laughs> before it started just looking at that logo. Dude, that logo, man, it, it's, it screams late 80s, early 90s, and like... I don't know. I looked at that and I almost heard like the Save by the Bell theme song. In I love my it head. so much. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's what this album sounds like. It's so funny because like I'm working with Dalton from, I don't know if you know Dalton. He was uh, in Minus Three. Do you remember Minus Three? Since you were in the, in the, in the morning because those bands were definitely around at the same I kinda time. I kind of came later and in the morning. Though. And you never hung out with us at Area 52. No, I hadn't. Uh, I moved back here in 2009. I like joined oh, in the morning after. in 2009. So I literally okay, that makes sense then. joined in the morning. And then I think shortly after that, Area 52 closed. I think I might have gone there once. Yeah, and I probably wasn't hanging out there by then. Um, Dalton was probably already in the fucking Navy. Um, so you probably don't know Dalton or that band at all, but, uh, I'm sitting down with him and I play him the demos and he's like, these are actually pretty good, dude. So what do you want from me? Like from a lead guitar perspective? And I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. Here's what the vision is in my head. And I'm going to tell this to you. And as a musician, I want you to tell me if your mind also works like this, or if you've worked <laughs> with people that work like this. So I go, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to do Coheed and Cambria meets misery signals 
Oh, my God. Are you familiar with those two <laughs> bands? Yeah. Those are my two favorite bands. Them and Protest the Hero and Metallica and Van Halen. I like Coheed. It's one of those bands I get burnt out on real fast. Oh, I can't get enough of them. I, I can listen to... I think they're great, but I also am like, I don't know. Like I listen to enough of them, and I'm like, I'm done. This is boring. But then I go back, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool. And they're good live. I love that band. I've seen them live. They they're, they're my favorite current band that is there's all these qualifiers for it they're my favorite current band that's putting out regular relevant music right that's the only way i can explain it metallic is always number one bands like van halen and fucking megadeth and you know um, solo ozzy those bands are what i grew up on and they have a special spot in my heart and even bands like coheed misery and misery signals and protest the hero will never dethrone those bands but those bands also aren't currently putting out badass music on yeah. a regular basis. So I got to give Coheed the respect they deserve because they're banging out like an album a year yeah. at this rate, it seems like. Might be every two years, but I swear to God, by the time I'm like familiar and a really big fan of this album, they just dropped another one. And, I, and it takes me like a year to catch up because there's so much Coheed, right? Like, right. And then they're great live and all this shit. So I'm sitting there with Dalton and I tell him that concept. Coheed meets Misery Signals. And then we play the demo again, and he's like, I can actually hear that in your riffs, dude. And I've heard several people say that, like, I can actually hear both bands in your guitar riffs. So he's like, okay, so how do I approach this from my angle, right? And I'm like, okay, so there's going to be certain spots where I want you to just literally just harmonize with what I'm playing. There's other spots where I want you to play a completely different guitar riff than what I'm playing. Like, don't even try to match up with me. You just do your own thing over it. And then there's other spots where it's like bona fide... 80s solo 80s fucking (laughs) butt rock solo and he's like okay okay and then he sends me ideas and i direct him like this i go in this spot give me more david gilmore pink floyd go more pink floyd in this spot in this spot over here give me a little bit more dave mustaine in that spot you know or in this spot over here i'll be like give me a little bit more slash or a little bit more cc deville so i just kind of like like I let him have his creative freedom and write his parts. And I just try to like stylistically nudge him in certain directions until we end up with basically the, that new intro is one of our songs. (laughs) It's one of the songs on the album. I just, it's literally the first five to 10 seconds of the song. (laughs) Um, There's another one I should play for you before you get out of here. Cause that one's kind of eighties and got that spank (laughs) to it. But boy woo! this new one <laughs> this new mix i played it on the podcast a couple times um but dalton added some new guitars and you think this one's fucking 80s i'll play <laughs> this other one before you get out of here that shit rips um but Are before you, you get out of here playing this or... yeah that's what i was gonna oh, that's what i'm trying yeah. to get back to is because we were talking about this kind of shit um i fell in love with the song when i was filling in for anthem like really? I didn't realize how much Tesla kicked ass, and then I yeah. f- kind of forgot about the song, and I listened to it, and, and I was like about to uh, rehearse with them. I'm like, this fucking rips. I'm actually gonna just yeah, just share this. Oh, like this. this song is just so good. So this is off your YouTube page. <laughs> Hold on, I want to pause that for people so they can read that. What did you put up here? I I just seen I didn't realize. Yeah. I never realized how kick-ass this song is before I had to learn it for a cover gig. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's so good, man. 
check this shit out. <laughs> um, if you want to get drum lessons from Lee, uh, I put her description, her info in the in the bottom there. Um, yeah, all your plugs are in there. Um, I actually plugged a lot of that stuff too while you were going to the bathroom. Sweet. Um, check the videos out. Let's get her to 100 subs so she can change that URL <laughs> to her name. Uh, anything else even... you want to cover before we get out of here? I... We're not pressed for time by any means, but uh, we have been going pretty damn close to two, oh, over two and a half hours. It's been a while. I can't think of anything else. Well, no pressure. We'll have you on again. This was a fucking blast. Thank <laughs> you so was... much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I've literally never done anything like this so it was kind of fun hell yeah and next time we i have haven't you on... seen you in many years we live right down the road we you're literally three minutes away from my house well we'll have to <laughs> hang out more yes <laughs> i'm sure kevin would love to see you we'll say hi to him on the way out right on um, in fact i think i said earlier he was upstairs studying which is a fucking lie he's up there playing video games <laughs> he just doesn't like coming down on the podcast so he uh, he won't. But uh, we'll say hey to him on the way out. Guys, if you like this, like, subscribe, share. Um, word of mouth is the best way to promote this thing. I spend zero money advertising it. It doesn't feel right. I'm not going to promote it. It just doesn't <laughs> feel right. Like, I, get, I, I post it. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. So I need you guys to help me build this thing. Still trying to get to 100 subs. We had 87 when we started. Um, Might have gotten a couple more since we've been doing this here these have been going pretty well um and next time you come on maybe bring natalie yes maybe we'll yeah that would in. be really fun and then yes yeah, you're fucking three minutes away we should start hanging out a little bit more yes. it's not like you got anything to do i have so many things to do <laughs> you got a dog you can bring your dog over yeah, we have dogs he, we can um, grill he's an old boy and he's his back legs are not doing oh so, so you great. don't take him many places we take him like my best friend i used pop? to live right across um from her on dupont we just moved from over on dupont in 17th gotcha um my best friend lives which is right also not there. that far it's from here not, no it's a whole <laughs> mile you're literally blocks away now but yeah we grill out and shit and fucking have shit in the backyard yeah. we're, uh, we're gonna do uh, a small get together here in a couple weeks for the dog's birthday parties cute <laughs> i'm sure kevin so would love to see you because kevin doesn't know half of our friends you know what i mean so it's always nice <laughs> when there's a familiar face i'm right. sure he'd love to see you but uh all right let's get out of here let's wrap this up sweet all right thanks guys love you <laughs>